Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. It's Friday, it's the 20th of May. Colleen Rooney has been named the most admired working mum in Britain. Who have they asked? The terminally stupid. Good grief. She's just booking her 13th holiday of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Ridiculous. Surprise, surprise, Gaza's back on the booze again. It's a matter of time, isn't it? What can we do? What can we do? You've just heard it, the first ice cream TV ad, partly in Cornish. Kelvin uh, McKenzie, days late on this one, asking the question that we did the other day. So here's little Brooklyn Beckham, immense superstar, hugely talented in every department, uh, wandering the red carpet with his uh, well-known girlfriend, and no mention of school or exams. Perhaps he doesn't go to school anymore. And uh, the sack judge, he views pornography, helps with depression. Imagine, ladies and gentlemen. And it turns out the little Fern McCann... Why? Fern McCann does not have... A film role, after all, she didn't know where the story came from. I don't know where it come from, that. I'm not going to be in this uh, film. It was reported all over the papers the other day. As usual, columnists completely cocking things up and just getting it completely wrong. Uh, and the lovely story, I think it's on the front of the, uh, the Daily Mail today. The uh, Elton and David on their perfect marriage. It's so lovely to read. It's so touching, actually. You couldn't believe a couple could be so much in love and have so much in common. They've got lots of pics of pictures and everything else. And I'm, I'm quite jealous, really. I really am. It's, it's a, a very touching, lovely story of a, of a couple who are deeply in love. And so rich. And so it must be nice if you're in love and rich at the same time. So it means you can buy anything, doesn't it? You can buy your role. Apparently, he called into a pub the other day in the East End. Did you read this story? He was wearing his famous tracksuit because he's a... Fat, rotund little man. And it fits and he doesn't need to worry about it. And he goes into the pub. He doesn't buy a drink. He goes in to change into a suit. So he can then... Get, so he doesn't... He, and he thanks the landlord, who was very excited that Elton had, had been in his toilet. And he, uh, and he sort of then came out in the suit and then they go to Scott's for dinner. Oh, nice. Very exciting. So there's lots of lovely pictures of uh, Dave and, uh, and Elton. Or Dave and Reg, as we prefer to call them. Which I think sounds much nicer, doesn't it? So we'll, perhaps we'll look at that one. In more detail later on this morning, because there's so many stories, aren't there, really, in, of Elton, his tantrums and all the... I saw... They never released on video, as far as I remember, the tantrums and tiaras. I don't think that ever came out, did it? Did anybody ever see that one? That's where he was in the south of France. And I think it was made by, by Dave, uh, the husband, <coughs> in the relationship. And, um, and he was playing tennis and somebody went, cooey! And he stormed off the tennis court because people weren't supposed to talk to him. Now he's mellowed a little bit. And, uh, and as I say, it's a... Sorry, such a touching story of love, and uh, it's nice to see in this day and age, isn't it? Inside the gay community. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has found a little girly to go out with. She's a model from Russia, so that's good, isn't it? I think they're all models in Russia. Uh, And the schoolboy, who had 134 wraps, apparently, of drugs. Wraps is what they're called. It's... Bits of paper, for want of it, folded, so you keep the drugs inside there. And he had 100, he's 16 years old, he had 134 wraps, but the police couldn't find it until they realised he'd inserted them. So they just waited for nature to take its course, and they got that 16 years old and a drug dealer. Honestly, don't kids do so well at school nowadays? Uh, the other story is um, the woman at the centre of the SNP love triangle has broken cover. Luckily, a photographer was waiting there as she emerged uh, without makeup. There's something quite, uh, quite disturbing about her. Uh, why so many women go off sex? This goes back to the story yesterday that we gave you about uh, a woman on the television 
who's on Loose Women. It's, it really is. It's plumbing new depths, Loose Women. If it's not uh, Harvey using rude words and his mother just thinking the programme is purely there for her, her benefit, uh, it's uh, Sarah Khan who claims she has an arrangement with her husband that he can go off and have sex with all these other women because uh, she's gone off sex with him. And he said... We don't have any such arrangement at all. So either she's lying through her teeth or she's just done it to try and get some attention. But either way, it's, it's gone down very well because the Daily Mail like that kind of thing. And then they can ask different people about how they feel about it. And what they've done is they've actually asked lots of women, is it possible to go off sex? And apparently it is possible to sort of, well, so they say. I mean, I, I don't personally have any experience of this myself. But it is possible to actually go out with somebody, to be in love with them, but to go off sex. Isn't that like just having a best friend? Isn't that... I mean, what, what would be the point of, of being married to somebody if there wasn't sex involved in it? I mean, perhaps, I'm, perhaps I've got the wrong end of the stick on this one. Perhaps I, perhaps I just don't understand it. I'm not too sure, though. But anyway, so they've now decided to ask lots and lots of women about, you know, do you still enjoy sex? And uh, a lot of them have said no, and my husband's free to... Well, there's one woman, she said, my husband's free to go off and, and have one-night stands, but he'll always come back to me. I thought, of course he will. Because you've let him have have one-night stands. It's not really a marriage at all, is it, really? It makes you look a bit daft. You know, I can understand it if people go off for, for medical reasons. As I did see a couple the other day. I won't identify them. And um, they would be classed as special needs. But they're, they're going to get married. They've been, been together for four years. They're going to get married. And, uh, and so, naturally, the, uh, the subject of sex comes into the equation... And turns out that uh, he said, no, we won't be having sex because my wife has fits uh, during things like that. So that's out completely. So no, no sex there. But it doesn't seem to bother. Some people don't seem to be bothered about sex. You know, it, does, it doesn't seem to make any difference to people. It's not, I think perhaps that there is too much, you know, uh, emphasis placed on that in a relationship. I'm, I, I probably would think that you get to a certain age and it's like the Joan Rivers gag. You know, do you want sex? No, I'll catch you tomorrow. You know, and you worry about it later. Go on, chase me. Ch- oh, give out for God's sake. And um, <laughs> what was Victoria Wood used to have some very, very good lines. She talked about listening to a couple next door. She said, I, I knew they were having sex. She said, when, 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 when the wife shouted out, I could say, oh, leave it alone. I'll do it myself. And um, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Only Victoria Wood, who celebrated her birthday yesterday. It would have been her birthday yesterday had she still been with us. It's lovely. We do have some uh, clips for you this morning of two of my guests for In Conversation this week. One of the interviews you might not understand. I only say that because I was very tired. This was after the Arkiva Awards, you remember. And I did this interview and I didn't really know. I mean, I understood what it was, but the interview seemed a trifle heavy for me. So you will have to listen to it to appreciate exactly where I'm coming from. And it's an American idea and it's called TED. And the idea is that you go and uh, you book in for these sessions. It's not cheap. It's about $8,000. And and people will talk you through to make you better. You know, better after-dinner speaker, better at business, all sorts of things. And all these these videos. And we'll be talking to the guy who bought the company. He bought TED uh, about 2010, I think, something like that. And there's a book. I mean, I was very tired and emotional. And, and I looked at this book. And because I'd never heard of TED before, everybody in the studio under a certain age had heard of TED. I was the only one who hadn't heard of TED. And then I asked a couple of presenters uh, on LBC. I will not mention their names, but they hadn't heard of TED either. And so I thought it must be a generational thing. But this book, when I offered it to the producer, I said, would you like the book? He went, really? 
And I thought, it's, it's like I've given him a million pounds wrapped up, you know, in a plain sealed bag or something like that. So we will tell you about Ted. Uh, we'll also be talking comedy as well with a lady who's going to be appearing this Saturday, tomorrow evening, at the, uh, the Apollo in Hammersmith. And if you go along, you better dress up for it because they're filming it to put out as a, as a, as a one-woman show. It's Catherine Ryan, who you will know. If, if you Google her, you'll go, oh, I know Catherine Ryan. And so she's doing this uh, show. It's the end of a tour. And so tomorrow night in the Apollo, down in Hammersmith, she's going to be doing the show, and they're filming it as well to put out as a show. So if you're going... Dress up, please. Okay, uh, which is uh, which is my best advice this morning. So, funny thing is, I've sort of um, I've sort of got back to normal with my sleep pattern. I mean, I was out for the count yesterday. I climbed into bed and and what did I not do? I didn't water the hanging baskets. And and that's two days now. I've not watered the hanging baskets. And so what I um, what I had to do was I woke up this morning. I, I set the alarm for the usual time, but I woke up early. I woke up at twelve o'clock. I normally the alarm goes for what? And I thought, right, it's twelve o'clock. It's Friday. I, I had a word with the boss yesterday because we have these. Uh, they're called Rajar debriefings. So it's looking at your audience figures, and they go through and say, well, you know, during the week you've added audience. The spike for Steve Allen's uh, programme, Monday through Friday, has increased. The gap between me and any other radio station in London has widened. So that's, that's all I care about. Uh, Saturday morning, too early, because we've only just started doing Saturday morning. Sunday morning, we've gone really well. Really, really, really well. So it's, it's good news all round. So yesterday we have uh, the big company meeting, which we have in the Odeon, Leicester Square. And there's that many of us. A thousand people. And all the stations that we own around the country all tune in. And so my friends up in Manchester and Leeds and Leicester and just about everywhere were sort of saying anything because LBC was put into our studio. There was about 20 of us and Darren was there and everybody. And then the cameras cut to us. At one point, Richard Park uh, says, well, let's go and talk to the station that's done really, really well. LBC. And here they all are. And then we'd, we'd been sitting there waiting and I'm sitting down. It's only me and the boss sitting in chairs. Because somebody said, do you want a chair, Steve? Abs- absolutely. I'm not stupid. And so I was sitting in a chair looking, looking like something out of Little Britain. What I wanted, I wanted to do a gag at the beginning of the thing, which they said, a lot of people were in favour of it, so that when the camera cut to us, we were all had our backs to the camera and we were going to be waving. We were going to be waving. And to the de- somebody would have to say, turn round, which would call, made, made the gag complete. And uh, so we had that. And that was lovely. We get mentioned and we get sort of applauded and, you know, everybody's done very well. It was lovely. And so there are now more of you listening to LBC than ever before. One and a half million of you, in fact, one and a half million of you. So I'd said to the boss afterwards, I said, listen, I said, can I not have my Rajar debriefing on Friday? Because I've had I've had quite a week this week. I've had quite, quite a week where there's been a lot of stress, a lot of emotion, really lovely, not complaining. Never, never complain about things in this business because uh, there's nothing to complain about. What could you complain about? You know, they, they've given me lighting, heating, a nice studio to work in, limitless amounts of coffee. Don't have to pay a penny piece for coffee. I've got, you know, my pens. I can do on the computer. Can't quite work out what James O'Brien's done the comp- to the... Co- don't tell him, for God's sake, don't tell him. But he does these things. Although yesterday he said to me... He said, somebody said, oh, you mentioned me this morning. Because I think, personally, that when I say to you, don't, c- come closer, come, don't tell him this. You think that we don't speak to each other. Whereas we see each other, well, I probably see him more than his wife. 
mainly because he's moved in with me. Anyway, so that's another story. That's a joke. That's a joke. And uh, and he said he said I think that people don't don't think that we that we talk to each other, whereas in fact we all talk to each other because we're in an office albeit a bigger office than usual. And so what he's done, he, he was in this studio because we were all downstairs. And he does something on the computer, and I don't know what it is, but it means that you can only log in. It's quite, cle- quite a clever trick, I think. You can only log in James O'Brien. You can't log in anybody else. And he's done it downstairs as well. So it's, uh, we're going to have to get Clive to, uh, to sort that out because that's what, that's what Clive does. He helps us out. And so this morning, I'm going to try... Yeah, you see, I, I, I've lost it again now. I can't, I can't log on to the Steve Allen emails. In fact, we, we can't read emails because he does something. I don't know how he does it. Because you've only got to do a mouse click on one thing. It says web email. You click on it and they're all there. So I'm hoping that when Clive comes in, hello, Clive, uh, he'll be able to look at it. So anyway, so I said to my boss, I said, can I have tomorrow off? I said, because I'm really quite tired. And he said... Yes, yes, of course, of course. And I had some lovely flowers delivered yesterday by Helinka. Thank you very much. Beautiful flowers, beautiful flowers. I mean beautiful. People think that men do not like receiving flowers. <laughs> think again. Thank you very much indeed. I've had flowers from all over the place. These are beautiful, really, really lovely. So thank you very much indeed for those. And uh, then I also got Michael Winner's widow, Geraldine, the lovely Geraldine. She sent me a copy of Michael Winner's book. It's, uh, it's a lot of oive Jewish jokes, and I love Jewish joke books, as you know, so I'm very pleased to have got that. So I was sitting going back on the train yesterday, sort of part in this world and part not in this world, and uh, having a little chuckle to myself. Uh, so, oh, forecast is rain, incidentally. Forecast is rain later on to... I don't care. I seriously don't care. I'm going to the... Um, uh, to the to the the theatre tomorrow, and then cocktails, and then dinner, which is very nice indeed. So I'm determined today to have one of my I don't care days, and I know, and you can have it too, if you don't have anything specific to do today. Why don't you just have a? Why don't you go do one kind of a day and just and do nothing, do absolutely nothing. You've got to do it to charge yourself up a little bit, and and I do it because I think well I've managed to get through the whole week. It's lovely. And it has been a lovely week. And uh, we've seen uh, oh, okay. uh, the newsreader, Paul Smith, is uh, back today. Bless his heart. He's, he's taken on a personal trainer uh, because he's apparently going to Florida in uh, a couple of weeks' time. Well, there's no chance. There's no chance this personal trainer's going to have any effect on him whatsoever. I mean, I don't want to be rude. I'm not speaking out of turn. Seriously, he's only a young person. But, I mean, he's carrying quite a bit of weight. And there's no chance. He's, he's paid a fortune for this personal trainer, who apparently is an actor in his real life, and then he does personal training. Eight sessions, one hour each, £215. So I think that sounds quite good value. Is that good? You think it's good value? That's, that's eight hours for two... That's a day for £215. And then eight, an hour's worth of training for eight sessions. He's having, apparently, two a week. Not making any difference. And, um, and he thinks that by having the, the trainer... He's going to. I don't know what. I don't know what he's hoping to achieve. Whether he's he's doing it to achieve weight loss. Because a friend of mine, in this business, I'm not going to identify him, but I went to see him yesterday. I was doing the rounds of chatting to loads of people. Have I taken a break? I haven't taken a break. Let me do. And and so anyway, he he's been going to the gym to lose weight. This this friend of mine, and um, and that's the newsreader. So this Paul, Paul. He says he works me hard. Beach body for Miami. Not going to happen. Seriously, he'd be better off painting a six-pack on his body and then just lying there toasting in the sand, because it's not going to happen at all. So, I mean, he might as well give me 215 quid, and I could have spent it on Kentucky Fried Chicken bargain barrels. That would have been a good thing. Anyway, so I go and see this friend of mine who is a presenter, 
and I'm not going to tell you who he is. And uh, he was he's, he's lost a load of weight. But the um, the trainer in the gym looked at his stomach and she said, Are you, what do you think that is? He said, well, I thought it was fat. He said, that won't go. She said, and she was pushing his tummy and all the rest of it. And uh, so she said, well, go to the doctor and ask him to have a look at it. He goes to the doctor. He's got a hernia. And he never knew about it. The doctor said, hasn't it been hurting? He said, no, not really. And so he's got to go back because the NHS, unless it's causing you discomfort and a lot of pain, they're not keen to operate. You can have it done privately, but if you want it done on the NHS, it's a bit more... So he's had a hernia, but he didn't know anything about it. £37 a session. Do you think that's good? I think that's quite good. 37 quid a session for somebody's... I mean, you know, you couldn't get me for 37 quid for a session, but I mean... You're just quite me. I think 37 is quite good. Paul's loaded, of course. Loaded. Well, he doesn't spend it on clothes or anything else, so he might as well spend it on a session. So 200, I thought that was, sounded quite good. If he'd said £500, I'd have gone, oh, that seems quite a lot of money, but 215 quid, And he's tighter than you. I mean, seriously, he's, he's really tight, because he's Scottish. It's uh, 4.20. LBC. Andrew Castle, Katie Hopkins and Tom Swarbrick. The new sound of weekends on LBC. That's all this weekend. Nick Ferrari's here this morning at breakfast. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. First of all, that airline disaster, which they say looks likely to be a result of terrorism. But isn't it interesting? If it was terrorism, and here's, here's the, the dilemma I have. When you, if you wanted to make maximum impact, OK, uh, on on terrorism, if you were going to blow something up, if you were going to blow a plane out of the sky, why would you wait until it was so many hours into the flight and then about 10 minutes away from where it comes down? Why not do it when it takes off and it goes up in the air over the airport? That's going to have maximum impact or over Europe or over anywhere, as opposed to they wait for the whole flight. They presumably had a meal by that time and everything else. And then they say, and now they can't find the plane. It's vanished. They just vanished. Now, if it was blown up, I defy anybody, as I said yesterday on the programme, to, you know, be there, somebody fishing out in the Mediterranean. There's bound to be fishing boats out there. And a plane drops out of the sky and nobody sees it. And then it was, somebody put forward the theory that, oh, it could have been, you know, uh, you know, somebody sort of, you know, going into the cockpit and holding the pilot up and smashing it in as we had with that, uh, that plane that went into the mountain. But then you hear things in the cockpit. They've got open microphones. You'd hear the pilot saying, we have been taken over. And then somebody saying, da, 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 bang or whatever. No, whatever. You would hear something. Nothing. There was no alarm raise, no nothing. It just goes up. It's about 10 minutes away from Cairo from coming down. So they'd have started getting ready for, for landing. And then it just disappears. I can't say it's blown up. I know it didn't land, but I can't say it was blown up because nobody's heard anything. They haven't found any... any it's an Airbus, for goodness sake. You can hardly hide it in a dustbin, can you? It's an Airbus. And it's got these passengers on board. So now what they're going to have to do is go through the passenger lists and they're going to have to find... Is it, is it the pilot? Is he the terrorist? You know, we hear of sleepers. We know what sleepers are. You're not naive enough to not know what they are. These are people who are trained in a certain act. They have a job until they go, right, we're going to do it. But then why waste your time blowing up a plane with 60 people on board? What would be the point of that? Blow up a plane that's got 200 people on board. It has, it has an impact. I'm not saying it doesn't have an impact for 60. It just seems a bit pointless to me. You know, was it lack security on the ground? The answer is, yet again, we do not know. With all the technology of getting these things up in the sky, and then it just vanishes. It's one minute there on the radar, the next minute, gone. Tragic for those involved, and there's horrible pictures in the papers today of, of people crying. But for terrorists, the, the thing is, the impact, 
It's the actual impact. It's, it's having some sort of reaction to it. And if you just imagine, if the plane takes off and then it, it banks round again and comes back in over Paris, that would be the time that you would have maximum Im- impact by blowing the plane up, would you not? Why wait till you've gone three quarters of your journey? So whoever it is, if it is a person or if it's, you know, a fault within the plane or if a bomb was put on the plane at Paris, we don't know. I mean, we do not know. That's the thing. I mean, you know, they don't exactly have the best track record, Egypt Air. But this is, you know, experienced pilot, experienced co-pilot. But were they working in cahoots? We don't know. I'm guessing as much as anybody else is. So they're going to be talking about that. And, and Nick will be asking you the question, are you concerned to travel to the Middle East and North Africa? And the simple answer is, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, because, you know, it, it could happen any time. You know, I could be sitting here. There could be something, you know, somebody plants a bomb or something in Leicester Square. It could be all sorts of things. You just don't know. And if you worried about that every single day of your life, you wouldn't go out. You'd stay in. You'd be too terrified to go out. So we we go out. Dame Tessa Jowell joins Nick to explain the benefits of staying in the EU for the creative industries and the arts. And here's one that you're going to love. They'll be speaking to the owner of a butcher's that put out a job advert saying that mummies, boys and drama queens need not apply. Isn't that just an honest method of recruitment? Mummies, what are you saying? There's no gay butchers. Veritable fairyland out there. Veritable fairyland. And drama queens. Gah! Butchers and drama queens. <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand. They do. They like wearing the aprons. They like putting those on and they're covered in blood and everything else. It's a bit macabre, I realise. So the job advert says, mummies, boys and drama queens need not apply. Is that because it's really tough being a butcher? Is that because it's really tough being a butcher? I don't know. Sarah Jane Mee will be joining Nick from uh, Sky News and Sky Sports to review the papers. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I'm Steve Allen. This is my early breakfast. Kevin, no, it's not him. People trying to guess who the presenter is here who's been losing weight. He has lost weight, it is true. It has to be said, he has lost a lot of weight. Uh, but it's not him. No, it's an answer. Don't start guessing presenters, please. It's not, uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to give it away at all. Not going to give it away. Uh, Dan says, well, well done on, oh, sorry, I thought he says, well done, Steve, on the award. Well done, Steve, on the award. Had a big KFC bargain bucket today to start off a busy duty at work. Support the thin blue line. Gee, I could eat, I, I might have, no, I can't. I do like KFC, <laughs> seriously. I did, the, the other day they went over, Anthony went over to go and get a, like, um, uh, they do like a fillet of, of chicken in a, in a burger, which didn't look very exciting. Um, I want one of those zingers. I think I want a zinger. And then I thought, no, to hell with it. I'll just want some, uh, some, um, some Kentucky fried chicken. Uh, Danny says, belated congratulations on your amazing win. Actually, it's been a, you know, this week it's been a win-win for me. Seriously, they say good things come in threes. I'm waiting for the lottery win this weekend. Or, because I still haven't checked... Uh, I've got eight, nine notifications from National Lottery uh, over the past three draws. So it would be nice that if one of them said 57 million, because you know me and the voices in my head. This is nothing to do with sort of any illness I've got. It's, you know, everything's gone well. The voice in my head a short while ago said, this is going to be a great year. This is going to be a good year. And there's going to be lots of nice things. And so the first nice thing, well, one of the many nice things was uh, getting the, uh, the winner on the National. 
then winning the Arkiva Gold Award, the top award you can get, which is like, woo! But you don't kind of appreciate it because you just think, but that's what I do for a living. And, uh, and then the audience figures coming through, proving that there's more of you at that 4am spike and the gap between me and all the other radio stations, because I do speak to some of them. I do see them in the building. We're all in the building. There's a lot of other people I don't see. But the gap has widened. So if you look at what LBC's got at four in the morning, other radio stations would be literally killing people to get hold of those sort of figures, because they're good. But I've always said to them, and because I speak to a few people here, uh, I've always said to people, listen, it doesn't really matter. It's because music... And I spoke to a very eminent person in the in the business, and I said, it's music in the morning. People want a bit of chat. They want something that's going to keep them going. If you're driving, if you have music on, and some drivers I've had in the morning do have music on, but the majority are listening to LBC. The majority are listening to speech, because that's what people want to hear in the morning. Because it makes you feel as though you're actually, you know, it goes by a bit quicker. If you're listening to music, you could quite easily sort of start falling asleep at the wheel, couldn't you? And you don't want that at all. So that's why. So we're, we're, we're very grateful. So I, I don't put it down to the fact, uh, any other reason apart from the fact that I'm doing speech and it's four in the morning. And that's, uh, and that's what it is. 84850, Steve, at uk. Don't talk about food, please, to me today. I don't, I don't want to know anything more about food, especially at this time of the morning. I, I brought in my fruit. I've got some fruit for me this morning. I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't really be eating fruit either, but it's this new stuff they do where they put lots of chopped up fruit in a thing. And this has got, what has it got? Melon, watermelon, mango and grapes, which is quite nice, actually. I think it's, and it's, it's all chopped up into little bits. So you can imagine what a mess I get myself into by the end of the programme. And that, that keeps me going. That's that little sugar rush in the morning. Uh, David in Rochester, formerly of Sawbridgeworth. And you know what Sawbridgeworth is famous for? That's where David and Victoria had their mansion and where my goddaughter had her 13th birthday party, of which I'm still recovering. It was a little bit of a traumatic moment. Uh, LBC News Time 4. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. It certainly is. It's Friday morning. It's nice to have a company. Welcome to The Spike. Welcome to the programme that more people choose at this time of the morning than anything else, which is very nice indeed. Actually, my friends around the country work for other radio stations. When we did the, the big link-up from LBC into the Empire Leicester Square, a lot of my friends took screen grabs and sent it to me because they were, they were sitting at their radio stations and because I know them. They then say, look, sent, sent you a picture. So my friend Jordan who's a dear, dear friend, sent a picture going, I've sent you a picture, and it's me. on the t- <laughs> Like, he knows what I look like, and I know what I look like. And I got that from quite a number of people, which was quite sweet, actually, because I'd forgotten that around the country, all the radio stations we own, um, sort of sort of tune in and they, and they watch and all the rest of it. Uh, Catherine says, no, you should not be eating dried fruit. It's not dried fruit. This is wet. This is... Have you ever dried fruit? What's dried watermelon? It's delicious. No, it's wet. Mm. She says, I'm not a diabetic and I wouldn't ever eat it. You might as well eat sweets. That's a point, actually. No, but it's, 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 it's not dried fruit. I don't do dried fruit. The only thing that's not particularly good for me are grapes. Um, and so I never have very many grapes. Strawberries are another thing that affects me quite, quite quickly. Uh, Kevin says, uh, I think that now LBC is available on digital radio. More people will find you and tune in. Oh, I'm, absolutely. And especially after I got the... Um, the Arkiva Award. And then I went to my friend Chris's show the other day. And uh, he, he goes around the country as well, the same as we do. And so a lot of people 
have heard me on that and they've seen the videos and I think people will be listening as well. So that's what you quite like. It's word of mouth. And then he said to me that I told you yesterday, he said, you know, he said, well done on the award. He's very, it was a huggy, huggy day again yesterday. Lots of huggy huggies. And, uh, and I quite like that. And Charlie Gerling was hugging me quite a few times. And she's head of like, you know, entertainment and everything else with, with Faye and all the other team. It's lovely. It really was, it was just really lovely. It was really lovely. And he said to me, he said, the reason you're still working after 36 years, he said, on the same station, is he said, because you've got an audience. He said, your audience will follow you anywhere. And it's quite right. It doesn't matter where I've been on the station, my audience will actually follow me because they've known me for 36 years. You've probably known me longer than you've known your partner. And so that's what it is. And I've, I've had people who've been listening and then their children listen and their children listen. And it, it just, it snowballs. So it's, it's a win-win situation. I'm just, as I say, I'm just waiting. One of these nine notifications from the lottery has got, what would you do if I went onto my phone this morning? I won't because I think it ruins the programme and cheapens it. I, uh, not that it can get much cheaper. It's just me and the producer and that's it. And, and if I went on there and it said 57 million, how quickly do you think there would be dead air on LBC? Answer, there wouldn't be, because I'm a professional. Uh, anyway, my new car, says Kev, has digital radio. Now I live in Luton. The signal is perfect countrywide. Before I used to lose, lose you going up the M1 by Northampton. Aha, uh-huh. Jill, no, it's not. People trying to guess the presenter. Please do not try and guess the presenter, because I'm not going to tell you who it is, because uh, he listens. <laughs> he, 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 he listens to it. Uh, bit of a disaster over in Top Gear, according to The Sun. Whether or not you think it's true or not, I don't know. I repeat it because it's in the paper today. And, uh, and it says, um, filming of the first episode of Top Gear... Uh, under Chris Evans, descended into fiasco. Brad Pitt pulled out at the last minute to be replaced by a lesser-known American actor, somebody called Jesse Eisenberg, who was joined by Gordon Ramsay. Meanwhile, Evans bungled his lines, took hours to film segments, and desperately tried to poke fun at previous hosts Jeremy Clarkson, James May and Richard Hammond. And it doesn't work, but they're spending £650,000 an episode. Uh, Listening for good prep in Phoenix, my good friend Ian... And <laughs> I can't say that. You know I can't say that. Although if you've been at the Archivers the other night, it was very interesting. You can actually go onto the Archiver website and listen to the, uh, the evening's gags, as it were, which is good. Uh, Paul, Paul Smith, the newsreader, is gone now because he's, uh, he's going to catch a flight. He's going uh, back to Edinburgh because he's Scottish. You never would have guessed it from the accent, would you? Not a clue. I thought Irish. At the very least. Um, I tweeted this morning and I said, you know, nearly at work, cup of coffee in the papers, my idea of heaven, which of course it is actually. The cup, cup of coffee is definitely my idea of heaven. A little bit of fruit, very nice indeed. And uh, Johnny's with us and Susan and uh, Aid as well and uh, Sharon and Siobhan and Nick and Sean and another Nick and uh, Sam. Oh, right, Sam follows me. And, uh, and Sandy as well. Sandy's. Well, I always check on people's pictures. I'm terribly nosy. I want to know what people look like. And so there's a Well, actually, strange enough, it, it says Sam. It's a picture of John Barrowman, which is rather, <laughs> rather worrying because John Barrowman definitely is not 60. Uh, here he is. He's fallen off hospital again. Uh, fallen off hospital. Sorry, he's fallen off the wagon and gone into hospital again. Paul Gascoigne bought gin by a moronic fan. And... Um, the football legend is thought to have been on a two-day bender when supermarket staff twice stopped him buying alcohol. Good for them. But a shopper said to be called Justin. There's a picture of him in the paper today. You are today's prize idiot. You are today's prize idiot. Uh, he bought a Gordon's bottle and handed it over in a car park. And Gaza took it because he's an alcoholic and drank it on the way back to the flat. I mean, you know, 
What more can we say? What more can we do? You can't do anything at all. And uh, Justin is the idiot. There's a picture of him in the car park. Who was taking pictures of Paul Gascoigne looking dishevelled? You know, one minute we've had all this load of old baloney about I'm stopping the booze. And then the next minute he turns up at the funeral of his uh, nephew, who, as I say, we wouldn't have heard about had he not been related to Paul Gascoigne. And uh, I suppose the latest thing is he's going to be... You know, saying, well, it's because I had to go to the funeral of my nephew, who's only 21, that I went back on the booze again. He cannot stay away from it. Whereas, in fact, if somebody says to you, listen, there, there, there can't be many more times that you're going to be rescued from this. But they took him off to hospital again. You know, he's now beginning to be a liability. He needs to be sectioned. He needs to be put away. They need to try and get him off the booze and keep him off it. But it's uh, so-called well-meaning people like Justin the Idiot in the car park, who buys him. He's been refused in Tesco. The staff said, we're not selling you booze. And so they shouldn't. Nobody should ever sell him booze. He's an alcoholic. Don't ever serve him booze. So well done to the staff in Tesco. And as I say, grinning idiot Justin, who buys him a bottle of gin and gives it... I mean, really, what is going on? You know, what do you want? Do you want him to die, Justin? Is that what you're looking for? Is that the kind of stupid person you are? Just really beggar's belief, doesn't it? Uh, Here she is again. This is uh, journalist Serena Cowdy. Or as somebody called it the other day, that tramp. Did you, one of the columnists. I was quite surprised. He didn't call her, a, he called her a scrubber, I think. Whatever it was, it wasn't very complimentary. To be honest with you, she's not a looker, but no doubt she'll be selling her dreary old story. She was seen for the first time since the news broke. She's obviously got one or two screws loose. Just likes having, uh, you know, relationships with, uh, with MPs for some... I don't quite get it either. But uh, she will be the next person who they'll be looking at for Big Brother. We'll be going, oh, God, who is that? And they go, oh, that's that woman who slept with two blokes and then talked about it. We go, oh, God, her, how dull. Anyway, here she is again. This is um, uh, Irina Sheik. She's a Russian model. She's very old to be a Russian model at 30, but there you go. Her exes include Cristiano Ronaldo and Bradley Cooper, so she obviously only sleeps with well-heeled people that can get her notice. And um, and so she was off at Cannes this week. I don't think she's in a film, um, but she was hanging around this time with Lewis Hamilton. We did say, actually, it's about time Lewis managed to find a girly to hang around with, and here she is, one who's been around the block two or three times. A bit like him, I suppose. That's what he does. He drives around, doesn't he? And we've also got that advert in Cornish. In Cornish, if you please. This is a, a TV ice cream advert. Famous Cornish firm, Kelly, shows a 30-second clip of a man talking Cornish in a field. And then an English voiceover says, Kelly's Cornish for ice cream. Charlotte Hambling of the parent company says, we hope our cheeky Cornish chap will make people smile. And we got it. We have actually got it. Do you want, I've never heard Cornish before. Have you heard Cornish? We put it out on the news. Paul Smith put it out uh, on a bulletin, and it'll probably pop up again later on today. But this is... Is this all of the advert, or just a bit of it? It's all of... A bit of it. Little... Oh, we think it's all of it. OK, so this this is Cornish as she is spoke. Imurez, Nav Cavallo, a Kelly's Cornish ice cream. Agu, as tasty as. We're Il Cavos, Agon Sueri, Splan, Nigamisk, Honeycomb Crunch, Praline Caramel, Agon Wev, Berry Eaten Mess. If you grist old Gans clotted cream, dwarf bookish lail. Hans Prifu Moy in Mornsnagas, a local supermarket. My hello, take home six new parlour flavours. Get on. Kelly's Cornish for ice cream. I mean, to be honest with you, I thought 
I thought it, it sounded like a well-known actor reading a script, and he learnt Cornish a bit like that, because everybody thinks in Cornwall they talk like that, don't they? And so that's Cornish. Small wonder nobody speaks the blooming language. I know there's a few people down there, I don't want people writing in going, oh, you speak Cornish. Uh, but I just thought it was a bit of a novel thing to do, have an advert in Cornish, which will get you... I mean, all you remember is Preline and Eaton Mess, isn't it? And we all love Eaton Mess. You know what Eaton Mess is, don't you? Eaton Mess is meringue crushed up, put in a lovely tall glass, and you could put eat, you put, put eat and mess in. You actually put uh, the uh, the meringue in, then ice cream, then meringue, then ice cream, and then strawberries and everything else, and then you drizzle strawberry juice around the top, and it's all messy and it's delicious. <laughs> and I shouldn't eat it because I'm a diabetic, but I do like it. It's very nice indeed. And so they've, if, I bought some um, chocolate like that, which was, I think it was called Eaton Mess Chocolate. And I don't really eat chocolate. I'm not a chocolate person. I'm not, I'm not a chocolate person at all. I'd rather have something savoury. If somebody said to me, what would you rather have, uh, a hot dog with onions or some chocolate? The hot dog with onions wins hands down or a packet of crisps or something like that. Uh, Steve. Uh, the lottery was only 6.1 million on the national lottery, 16 million on Euro. It wasn't 57 million. Oh, it was 57 million a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. The over £50 was already won on two. OK. Did you see the Land Rover Victoria Beckham designed? I don't believe Victoria Beckham designs anything. I'm one of those cynical people. I mean, it's a pair of jeans, so it's presumably got two legs in it. She didn't design a Land Rover. It was... Uh, haven't they tried to sell it? Isn't it up for sale? Perhaps they'll give it to Brooklyn or something like that, seeing as he doesn't appear to be going to school. Uh, surely, Steve, by imposing cigarette companies to introduce plain packaging, it will encourage and increase criminal activity. I'll tell you what I saw this morning. And don't, don't, don't get me started on it. Uh, it was a panorama investigation. Uh, Kerry Thomas was the executive producer on it. He used to work for LBC, and he's now quite high up, and he does these panorama programmes. And this was about the puppy farms in Ireland. And this was about people who sell sick and injured puppies to people. And you should never buy puppies on the internet. Uh, but they, they've got wise. Because when people turned up at this couple's house, and uh, they were producing puppies like there was no tomorrow, when they said... Because they, they, it turns out there were five different adverts, but all leading to the same address. And so they sent five different people there. And uh, one of them, he said, he said, could I, could I see the mother? Would that be possible to see the mother? Because you're supposed to see the mother. She went, ah, she had an answer for everything. She had an answer for everything. No, because it's the, 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 the bitch has gone to the caravan with my daughter uh, for, for sort of a bit of a rest. And you think, because these were brought in from Ireland. There was one man there. He had 150 breeding bitches in cages. I mean, in the like of which you've never seen before. The like of which you've never seen before. Another man had... Thre- they, these were licensed. Seriously, I mean, how they got licensed, I'll never know. These, these breeding bitches were in boxes which were way too small for them. Anyway, this uh, couple then got wise to people saying, can we see the mother? So they would bring a dog over from Ireland. You could see them transporting it. You could see them putting it into the back of a lorry and then swapping another one over. And so they had Bichon freezes, and they went, oh, and this is the mother. And people were, people were buying into it. These things cost about 500 quid each. It's apparently worth millions, millions and millions. There was a mother and, uh, no, a father and daughter act operating. It's really awful. But the most sickening sight was when uh, a version, and why they've never been closed down, I've got no idea. One of them, apparently, he was refused a licence second time round, mainly because Panorama did such a good job exposing this dreadful, vile trade. I had a rant some years ago about a, about a puppy trader, a filthy, disgusting person who was exploiting the misery. But by the side of the road, there were five little puppies dead. 
or little Springer Spaniel puppies. And quite clearly, the person who was transporting them had realised that they were dying or about to die, and so got rid of them and just literally left them at the side of the road. Five little puppies. And that's what you're buying into. If you buy a puppy off the internet, you know, that what, what you're paying for is you're paying for all these illegal doggies. And they're not animal lovers. They're only interested in the money. If the dog dies, they couldn't give a stuff. They couldn't give a stuff. These people are vile. It's absolutely awful. It was the most heart-rending thing I've ever seen. It was terrible. Uh, Wayne says, I found LBC about six years ago. Well, better than nothing, I suppose. I was listening to a night programme, fell asleep with the radio, and when I woke up for work, there you were. I know. Listened ever since. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear, which is all good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one here. Uh, this is, I'm trying to get as many as we can in this morning. I don't want to sort of miss anything out. Cause I've got, oh, no, I can't, I can't go to my emails because I've forgotten how we do them now. I'm not clicking on to Curation Console, am I? No, well, that's popped up and I don't know where it's at. What the hell it is. Uh, so anyway, so we're assuming that, uh, that Lewis Hamilton's turned up with his old, um, old uh, Russian model who's been out with everybody famous and just poses. She's not in any film or something. She's just like a Victoria's Secret model. And they're like three a penny, I think. I think four a penny this week. I think four a penny. Missed the out time again. 13 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. I think I've fathomed out the computer this morning. I wouldn't guarantee it. I'll, I'll do my best. But it's Friday and you know what a funny week I've had. Uh, so Nicholas says it's my birthday today. Happy birthday to me. Yes, that's what you, isn't it awful when you have to do that for yourself? Here we go. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Doesn't quite sound as exciting. Uh, Mark says, I've often wondered how a radio station knows how many people are listening at any given time. Or even TV channels. Um, it's a system called Rajar. And it works on a diary system. And it's been the nearest thing to it. Uh, although I'm sure that sometime in the future they'll have things that are built into radios that every time you listen to a particular station it sends a signal back saying you're listening to that station at that time of the morning. Uh, that's how it works. So uh, they've done it for, for years. They tried to do something else. Apparently, Jane says, James O'Brien has locked the computer by pressing the Microsoft key and L key on the keyboard at the same time. To unlock, you press Control-Alt and Delt key together. The Delt key? What's the Delt key? Delt? What's Delt? I don't have Delt here. Do you mean delete? No, that'll. Do, I don't want to risk anything like that. That sounds highly dangerous. So he's locked the computer. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's very odd. Very odd indeed. Uh, Wendy says, and uh, you took Joan and me for the Make Some Noise prize last year. Yes, I remember very well indeed. She says, belated congratulations. Well deserved. And uh, thank you for the laughs. Uh, when I'm not able to sleep. My hanging baskets are looking great. Oh, I was telling you earlier on, do you remember? I started talking about the fact that I'd missed uh, watering the hanging baskets. And so this morning, when I woke up at 12, I thought, right, I'm up in plenty of time. It's Friday. I haven't got any interviews to do. I can leave here in the morning and I can be home, you know, reasonable time, which is great. And then I thought, I'd better water them. They might not go another day. And so I was out there at 12, half past 12 uh, this morning watering the hanging baskets until they absolutely dripped with water. Absolutely dripped with water. And so I've done that. And then today, what I shall do, if I find, find the time, I have a feeling I'm going to be lazy, uh, I shall plant some things up and start putting them in the, uh, in the pots. Because I've filled up with earth. So I've done, all the, I've done all the right stuff. And I'm hoping it's going to work quite well. I think it will, actually. Uh, which, is, which is nice, actually. Which is nice. And it, it'll look good for the summer. Uh, Steve, I had a dream you walked by me, but you were Heston. 
says uh, Kim in Dublin from the Soap Doctors. I told my dad and he told me to go and buy a white jacket. Oh, I think you're way past the white jacket stage. Way past it. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. John says, uh, as you've clearly invested heavily in your hanging baskets. No, not really. I've not invested heavily. I never think it's heavy. I think it's dirt cheap. The pressure of remembering to water them. Why don't you invest in some irrigation? Simply a few pipes, a timer and... No, I need to actually get out there physically and do it. I've always done it. I've always done it, and I've always thought that's the way to do it. That's the way... That's a punch of Judy again, doesn't it? I've always thought that's the way to do it. I, I have got an irrigation system. It isn't actually plugged in, but it's it's something that could, could actually uh, be brought into practice, but I've decided not to do it so far. I heard you on, uh, on Chris's show, says Dave, the Peterborough milkman. God, we find milkman, don't we, at this time of the morning? Uh, and I thought I'd give you a go. Well, there you go. That's nice, you see. I think he's pinched it from me, to be honest with you. I think he's pinched it from me. We're both doing the same sort of thing. It's just that he has a, a posse with him, and, and I don't have a posse with me. I just have I just have me. But that's OK. I don't mind that. And we can go through the papers. Calvin McKenzie, in his column today, has uh, talked about Junior Beckham. Very well read, because we don't actually see any signs of, uh, of little Junior Beckham going off to school with his little satchel on his back. And you think by now that Mummy and Daddy uh, would be you know, making sure that he was well-educated, but they seem to let him roam and do whatever he wants to do. He either goes skateboarding or he does a bit of coffee or he takes selfie pictures. It must be really dreadful at that age because at some point the press are going to just totally ignore him because he doesn't actually do anything. And Kelvin asks the question, you know, uh, what school does he go to or is he quietly left? Well, we've never seen any pictures, and they release pictures of everything. He's only got to blow his nose and break wind and they take a picture of it. Uh, did his head teacher give him time off? Has any other sixth former in the school been allowed in midterm to take a break? And why do Brooklyn's parents, Vic and Dave, believe it's appropriate for him to be partying rather than making sure he passes his exams? Yes, does he have homeschooling? Perhaps we should know about that, shouldn't we? I don't know. But I've certainly never seen a picture of him going to school. You know, why have we not had interviews with his school chums? Because I suspect he probably doesn't have any. I suspect he probably doesn't have any at all. Because Victoria doesn't seem to have any friends. You never see Victoria going out for a big girly night out. Unless it's with a few of the uh, of the other Spice Girls. Except Jerry. And, uh, but that's a bit like being Sarah Harding, isn't it? On the outside. Poor, poor Sarah Harding. Desperately short of friends. Desperately short of, of people who want to go out with her. Because she's so much of an embarrassment. And there's a... A picture of, uh, of somebody in the paper today who's, again, sort of desperate to be famous. And I can spot the warning signs a mile off. You know, they've got to be in the papers a couple of times. They go, here's so-and-so going out and it's going to be brilliant. And you think, no, they're just attention seekers. That's all they are. They're just attention seekers. And they're, they're people who want to... Oh, lovely picture of... Uh, David and his uh, adoring husband. That's nice, isn't it? That's David Furnish and Elton John. What a happy couple they are. They really are. And in fact, we know they're a happy couple because they've told the Daily Mail in their own words how happy they are and how, how perfect their marriage is. And that's nice, isn't it? I mean, I, I think that's quite, quite pleasing. <coughs> Sorry, in this day and age. Uh, for people to, and to show us a series of pictures of them together and, you know, their arms around each other and that kind of stuff. Because it can't be easy being with Elton John most of the time. You, may, you just long for other people's company, I should say. You know, if he has another tantrum or something like that, like, put all my glasses in. That's what he did. When he goes on tour, there's a, there's a checklist, you know, all his glasses go in different drawers. So there's hundreds of pairs of glasses. I think it's, you know, it's like people who say, can you take all the blue Smarties out and we'll just have green Smarties. I like green Smarties, actually. They're one of my favourites. But I haven't had Smarties for a while. Uh, Steve and uh, Puppy Farms, uh, you know, 
You only have to mention Ireland and the authorities, the do-gooders and the lovers, suddenly lose interest. Too much aggro. Well done, Panorama. It was a very, very interesting programme. I mean, at one point, she goes undercover, this uh, reporter, in the dead of night. She's actually in the puppy farm sheds. Why they didn't have any security in there or things like that, I've got no idea. But uh, it exposed this horrific trade. And they said that if you buy uh, a, uh, a, a puppy and you buy it on the internet, the chances are that it's come from a puppy farm. And so, you know, you're buying into the misery for these animals, many of whom will, will develop all sorts of problems, because once one's got it, they all get it. And if you'd seen it, it was heartrending. It was absolutely... Even uh, Sarah says, uh, I watched the Puppy Farm programme and I felt so upset about it. Yeah, see, I've, I've said before on the programme, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, cruelty to animals. And these people, you know, to watch this couple transferring dogs from a white transit van into the back of his taxi... I found quite disturbing, quite disturbing. And they were in, I forget where they were, actually. There was some place that they were. But people were going around there to buy puppies. And she was lying to them. Some of them, they actually claim a pedigree, and they're not pedigree at all. You know, I think one of them, they had all these complaints that they were selling Bichon freezers, and they were saying, but these aren't. These aren't. And one woman, she had a dog, she had it less than a year, and uh, it had problems, and they had to have it put to, to sleep. And you think, these people are sickos. These people are breeding the, the, these puppies. And uh, perhaps, the, uh, perhaps the law is different. Perhaps the law is different in other countries. Whatever it is, they seem to be arriving over here. And it's, it's just not good enough. It really is that they should be closed down immediately. One of them had its licence taken away. Because you can get them. I mean, put it this way, if I have a dog and a bitch, I come, I'm calling it a dog generally. I know it's a bitch. I understand that. But, uh, and, it, and it had uh, puppies. I'd be thinking, I'll sell them and make, make some money. So, effectively, I'm doing the same kind of thing. But these people... I remember years ago talking about puppy farms on LBC, and I remember thinking then, you know, I don't like this trade, and it's got more vile by the year. Until now, I think it's possibly at the worst it's ever been, and more and more people are, are talking about it. Uh, so, who's going on to The Voice? They say it could be Sir Paul McCartney. Uh, the fifth series will feature Ricky Wilson... Uh, William, sorry, Will I Am, uh, Boy George and Paloma Faith, and it ended last month, and it now looks likely that uh, Paul McCartney could be back... He's been offered a coach role. Well, I mean, you'd be learning from Paul McCartney, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, Paloma Faith, I don't really know enough about. Ricky Wilson was in a group... I don't really know enough about Ricky Wilson. I know about Will I Am. He's got a bit of a track record. And Boy George, I know a lot about, because we're like Bessie mates now. Which always upsets people who go, ooh, you're so two-faced, you never used to like him. I go, yeah, well, everybody changes their mind, don't they? People even... Can you believe? People even even change their minds on um, on voting. You know, Tories for years and years, and then suddenly I go, I think I'll be Labour, or vice versa. And Ricky Wilson is part of our big family here. He's on uh, one of our sister stations, uh, Radio X, on Sunday. He's the lead singer of the, of the Kaiser Chiefs. I was watching the other day Judge Rinder, or as I prefer to call it, that whoopsie on the television. It's the most ghastly programme. He's not even a judge. You know, they've just made it up. You know, and he sits there sort of copying Judge Judy. I don't know. I think he's more Judy than she is, though, to be honest with you. He's just boring. He's so dull. He's so prissy. He's so naff. And so we don't like Judge Rinder, although I've got people who listen to this programme that will tell me that they absolutely adore Judge Rinder. I know that Bryn and Annie over in France absolutely love him to pieces, so I can't argue, can I? There's no point in arguing with people. Um, yes, yeah, so of course there was those other people as well um, who threw the dog down the stairs. I mean, 
you know, words fail me for some of these people. There's absolutely some dreadful, dreadful things. And, of course, that staffy that savages 14 kids. And then you see where it was, and it's on a sink estate. All the blokes are out there, with fag in one mouth, baseball caps on, the tattoos up the arm and the shorts on. You know, they just need to be wearing a football jumper, and they're just about there. 14 children were savaged. A woman's been uh, been questioned. These people, they just have dogs, don't they? The most abandoned dogs? Staffies. It's disgusting. Uh, the intruder, free inside Buckingham Palace for seven minutes. As the Queen, is it? What were they doing? Having another fag and a cup of tea or something? Very lax security down there. Gary Barlow turns up at yet another wedding. Oh, God. Perhaps, it, perhaps he doesn't like being at home with the wife and the kids. I don't know. Uh, also, the backlash after a lefty with no TV experience is appointed economics editor of ITV. You'll never guess who her husband is, will you? There's people in the newsroom going, she's only here because she's an attention seeker. On Leading Britain's Conversation, this is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Blown out of the sky, they say, but we're no nearer finding where flight MS-804 has vanished to. Do we actually believe there is a hand of God now that reaches down and just takes something out of the sky? Because we can't seem to find anything. I mean, somewhere there are 200 bodies of people that were in the, the Malaysian flight. I mean, I mean where, where do they go to? They've, I mean, are they still strapped into their seats sitting at the bottom of the ocean? Why can we not find these things? And here is a plane that is a fairly, fairly normal flight, and it just vanishes. It's utterly ridiculous. David Ginola recovering a suspected heart attack, they say, at the age of 49. That's way too young as far as I'm concerned. Oh, and Elton John and David Furnish on their really, really happy relationship. Happy marriage and everything else. Uh, the Chinese vase found in a home tidy-up. It's the story you dream of. It's the kind of thing you think, you know, if I was having a tidy up and I found, oh, my parents had this old Chinese vase. And you take it in and somebody goes, this is, this is very rare. This is worth £110,000. You'd have it up for sale straight away. I mean, I've got some, uh, some little knickknacks that we brought back from Hong Kong. I've got a little jade Buddha. But he's not that little, not 20 foot. He's, uh, no, he's actually quite small. And uh, we've had that for age. I don't know, it could be some sort of long relic, and I've got some ginger jars and things like that. Uh, still dragging a weary carcass around, Lady Victoria Hervey. Go back where you came from, dear. We're so bored with you. You were tragic first time round. You're even more tragic second time. She says, I've got a personality, and we've yet to see it. Colleen Rooney has been named the most admired working mum in Britain. Who have they asked? People at the airport coming into the country. Uh, so what do you think? Colleen Rooney... Uh, hard, hard working, hard working. Oh, great. Do you know who she is? No, no, no. Just hard working. OK, she's on her 13th holiday, by the way. She's done, done a day's work in her life. Done day, I mean, you know, apart from doing the Croydon facelift, which is, must take her hours, I should imagine. Uh, Gaza's back on the booze. Somebody bought him a bottle of gin. The supermarket staff, done them, said, no, you're not having a bottle of gin. So some guy goes in, a complete idiot, a buffoon, a simpleton of the first order, and um, and then... And gives it to him in a car park. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. This man is an alcoholic. He's got a drink problem. Somebody buys him a bottle of booze. The next thing we're going to be reading, isn't it? He's dead. Because some idiot like this has bought him a bottle of booze. Not just a little bottle of gin. It's like an enormous bottle of gin. I don't, perhaps these people are as stupid as he is. It's very difficult. Very, very difficult. Kelvin uh, McKenzie, as we did just before the news on, uh, does Brooklyn Beckham go to school? I keep pushing this one. I'm waiting for the papers to ask Dave, although Dave's not been advertising pants or whiskey for a little while, has he? He's too busy, you know, building up a football team or something in America. Not seen any evidence of it as yet, but I'm sure it'll materialise at some point. And um, perhaps they could get Rebecca Loose to open it. 
That'd be quite a good one. She's a sort of a celebrity now. Everybody's a celebrity. Have you noticed? There's more celebrities everywhere. Elton, David Furnish is a celebrity, as opposed to, he's not really well known, he's just uh, Elts' other half. And they've got married and they have a a perfect marriage, which is lovely. Uh, Also, the bracelet. You're going to love this one. This is the bracelet that gives you an electric shock if you go overdrawn. I thought you'd like it. I thought I could see you all get... Really? We could get this fixed up onto the wife. Although I did prefer the story of the bloke who said it's ridiculous. He said, uh, I had my, uh, my credit card stolen the other day. And I said, did you report it? He said, hell no. They're spending less than the wife. So uh, that's good. But this bracelet gives you an electric shock. It's called the Pavioc. I don't know what that means. It's £120, and if you exceed your spending limit, it delivers a 255-volt shock. Do not try this if you have a weak heart. OK. Uh, it's designed to be linked to online bank accounts. It's not April 1st, is it, by the of the Uh The managing director of this, uh, of this company claimed to have it in operation by the end of the year. Uh, the wristband was created by the internet entrepreneur Manish Sethi, who came to public prominence when he hired a woman to slap him in the face every time he went on Facebook while at work. Must have been black and blue by the time he'd finished. So, I mean, I don't know. Is that the kind of thing you'd want on your wrist? You know, I mean, the, the online banking for the, uh, for the producer is set that he, he gets a text if his balance goes below a certain amount. He's with Nationwide. You see, I have a bank manager that looks after my account, so... Because I'm at the top end of the scale. I'm, uh, but I'm, I'm very good. I mean, I really am very good. I'm, I'm very good at not exceeding my limit. I don't really have a limit. I, I just I keep it within that. I've learned how to do that over the years. I mean, every so often, I'll check when I go, have I got any money left? She'll go, yes. Because what we do, if we've got any left at the end of the month, we transfer it into the tax account. Or as I prefer to call it, the tax, V-A-T-T, and now taxi account. It seems to be funding an awful lot of things. And uh, so I'm, I'm more than happy to actually have that there, and she just checks it. And I've got a, a bank account that tops up. So in other words, if it, um, if it drops below a certain amount, then the account cuts in and it transfers money over. So I've always got enough money in there, and then it will transfer from another account. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very good at saving, much better at saving than I ever was. I used to be terrible with money, terrible, probably like so many of you listening. Uh, talking of uh, terrible, three days on, the woman at the centre of the SNP love tangle. God, without makeup, it's really plain. Really, really plain. And this is uh, uh, the woman being publicity hungry. Well, of course she is. Of course she is. She's desperate to be somebody as opposed to a nobody. And I suppose if you are a nobody, it's a little bit of an embarrassment. But uh, anyway, uh, she's uh, turned up here, heading for a car, uh, a mini cab. Now, presumably... She's uh, she's going to arrange to sell her story. That gives her that bit of that bit of attention seeking, which she so desperately craves. I feel a bit sorry for her, actually, uh, because she's here. Her name's Serena Cowdy. She's an Oxford graduate and she had affairs with two married SNP MPs, became the talk of Westminster. And she threatened to derail the careers of all three of them. Uh, so obviously not pleasant, not nice. Uh, and just another one of these desperately sad people that we see in the papers nowadays. You know, what, what do you do, love? I sleep with men and then I sell the story. It's, it's just, it's not enough, is it, in this day and age? It really isn't enough. You know, a wasted education at Oxford, completely wasted. Anyway, yet she's 36. I mean, she's way too old to be doing this kind of thing anyway. Or either they're very desperate. She looked tired. Of course, she would be. She's deliberately going out there wearing no makeup. She could quite easily have put makeup on, believe you me, and made herself look not tired. But it's done deliberately because there's obviously a story that's going to be sold. So uh, a Labour MP has complained 
uh, about this, and uh, and lots of people have. I just, I mean, I don't know why she's so desperate. I've got no idea. Uh, they also, she says, I'm afraid I've got no comment to make. Thank you very much. She's already wiped her previously fulsome social media presence from the internet. Her ex-lover and her current partner face inquiries from two watchdogs over allegations they charge taxpayers for the accommodation where they met for trysts. For that read, sex. OK, let's not bother with trysts, OK? It's such a silly word. But here she is looking pale and drawn and all that. I'm just bored with these sort of people. I don't care about any of them. I really don't. And you shouldn't either. They're nobodies. They're absolute nobodies. But they set the wrong and they send the wrong message out to loads of people. Here's, here's the backlash. And this is a woman uh, called uh, Narina Hertz. Narina Hertz has been appointed the economics editor of ITV, which is very interesting um, because she's got no TV experience. How would she get that? Who's her husband? He's Danny Cohen. Danny Cohen runs the BBC. He's, uh, for, well, actually, he, he doesn't anymore. He quit six months ago. But he's former director of television. And her, her Twitter feed, often a hotbed of her and other people's views on the latest right-on political issues, remains inactive. Nor were there any new pictures of her standing up for migrants. Only recently she posted a photo of herself holding up a placard reading, Refugees, my home is their home. A load of old claptrap. She's an attention seeker say, the people that she's uh, moved in with. She's now ITV's new economics editor. She's left staff at the broadcaster in revolt. She's got no background as a journalist at all. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And um, she does have some experience in the world of broadcasting. One on-screen ITV reporter said, the newsroom is horrified. She's not an, economi- uh, an economist at all. Another said she's a self-publicist. Well, a third said on Twitter, she follows all the usual lefties like Russell Brand, Alastair Campbell, but not the International Monetary Fund or the Bank Bank of England. Others said they felt insulted. Well, she's quite clearly got it because she's Danny Cohen's other squeeze, isn't she? I mean, there. And so she's got controversial views, but she's got no TV experience. It's a case of who you know, isn't it, really? Doesn't that work like that? I thought it did. I thought it did. Also, uh, four minutes uh, in the courts, the lone voice. It's four judges. Here she is, uh, radical Baroness Hale, who's questioned the institution of marriage. I'm a bit bored with these lords. They're a bit naff, as far as I'm concerned. There's also leading the judgment Lord Mance, Lord Reed, and Lord Neuberger. And they've decided that this international celebrity who's married with children uh, should keep his anonymity. As opposed to the son saying we should know who this person is because of what they've got up to. It's in the public interest. Now, I've argued this toss before. I don't think it's our it's in our interest at all what anybody gets up to. I mean, in the same way, I couldn't care less what what the producer Chris gets up to from here. I'm I'm not remotely interested why it would be of interest to other people. Now, the the arguing point comes when they say, oh, well, people present, uh, you know, a happily a happy front and all this kind of thing. But behind the scenes, you know, they're at it like rabbits and gerbils. And you think, but that's their business. That's their business. It doesn't matter, does it? If it's not hurting anybody, if it's with people's consent. I mean, if I choose to sleep with the table in the studio, that's my business. I wouldn't, of course, because I can't sleep with white melamine, but that's another story. And, and you think to yourself, does it really make any difference who somebody sleeps with? Because it involves olive oil. Well, I wouldn't waste olive oil. I wouldn't. I really, I've never heard of that one before. But then I do accept the fact that there are things going on out there which are, which are sort of quite bizarre. In terms of what I would consider bizarre, you know, and I'm, I'm fairly liberal 
I'm not a woolly liberal. I'm, I'm sort of fairly liberal with things, and I'm not naive enough to think that people don't dress up in little outfits and stuff like that. But covering yourself in olive oil is just a waste of good olive oil, as far as I can see. But anyway, if this person wants to retain anonymity, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, don't present yourself as holier than thou. That, that's, what, that's what the papers are arguing. But they're losing this one. They're losing it big time. This person must have paid an awful lot of money into court to make sure that their name didn't come out. But their name has been out. It's been out in America. It's been out in Ireland. It's been out just about everywhere, except here. So you can go to America and you can read all about this person and the other half and what they get up to. I personally couldn't care less. But I understand the principle of if you've got children, and they say it's to protect the children, well, then don't get up to this kind of stuff. That's, that's what I, I would argue the toss with. I would say they do, everybody has a right to privacy. Everybody has, has a right to, if you want to sort of, you know, nail your ears to the door, that's your business. I couldn't care less. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, that's fine. But, uh, but when you've got, you know, a family and you present yourself as a, as a, a warm, loving family, perhaps actually, but there again, you see, perhaps some people's idea of a warm, loving family is not their idea. They might, this particular couple, have an open relationship. I've heard of it before. Like the girl the other day who went on Loose Women and said that uh, she doesn't want to have sex with her husband anymore, so he can go off and have sex with, with anybody else. And when he was doorstepped, they went, we have no such arrangement. So she's either lied through her teeth or she was just thinking, I'll get some attention, you know, to try and make, make myself a bit more interesting than the boring old so-and-so that we see on Loose Women. It's a little bit like... Harvey swearing on television. People I spoke to yesterday thought it was a good idea that Harvey was that angry. I said, I'm more worried about a 14-year-old boy using language like this. That's what I was worried about. But there again, you know, we, we know what she's like. We know that she thinks she's terribly clever and she's doing it all the right way. And that's it. And so she puts him up on television and exploits him. He doesn't know. He's got no idea. You know, you go into a television studio and she prompts him. She pushes him to say the word. It's obviously as if they've almost gone down a route. But that's their business. But don't do it on public television. You know, that makes uh, poor old Jordan look cheap and it uh, embarrasses everybody else there. I mean, I'm still waiting for a comment from Peter Andre. I wonder if he's got a comment. Oh, no, that'll be drippy Peter Andre. He won't have a comment about anything, will he? Oh, come to my coffee shop. 16 minutes past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. From a great night's sleep to the perfect breakfast included. Nick of the team, this morning after another airline disaster looks likely to be a result of terrorism. Are you concerned about travelling to the Middle East and North Africa on holiday? Dame Tessa Jowell joins Nick to explain the benefits of staying in the EU. They'll speak to the owners of the butchers that put out the job advert saying, Mummies, boys and drama queens need not apply. Isn't that just an honest method of recruitment? How about um, no black people, no Jews, no gays? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Where Where does it end? Where does it end? Are you allowed to put things out? You know, only tall people need apply. Anybody short? We don't want you. Uh, that's with Nick Ferrari. Sarah Jane Mee's looking at the uh, papers today from Sky News as well. So that's quite nice. She'll go through the papers. They found a fly tipper. There's loads of them. I see them all the time. In fact, if you remember one morning, I was going to my accountants and uh, there was one of those flatbed white lorries. We know who's driving them. And they had a load of rubbish. and They were dumping it in a street in Chiswick and they saw me. They would started unloading it and then they saw me standing there and I held my phone up as if I was filming them. So they put it all back on the thing. As he drove past me, he went, enjoying yourself? I went, yeah. He said, we'll just go dump it somewhere else. I said, I couldn't care less, mate. Couldn't care less. So they found one here in Tottenham. What he does is, he's got the flatbed truck. He, uh, and he just tips it up and drives away, leaving all this rubbish there. And uh, his name is Gabriel Prempe of Wood Green. Gabriel is uh, one of these people who fly tips. Anyway... 
he was he was taken to court. He, he did this brazen fly tipping. He's very selfish, and he's quite clearly a bit thick. But anyway, um, he was filmed dumping this in Tottenham in December. The truck was traced, but he was not found to be the registered owner. Somebody else was. However, <laughs> he was caught out a few months later when he was spotted parking illegally on a pavement by CCTV officers who recognised him as the fly-tipping driver and confronted him. He was also found to have 27 outstanding parking fines. So silly little Gabriel Prempe was dragged into Tottenham Magistrates Court on Wednesday and he was fined 320 quid. Uh, ordered to pay £585 costs and a victim surcharge of £32. I mean, to be honest with you, 320 for fly tipping should have been £10,000. Or we go round and we demolish a house. You know, I think that, that should be part of it. I'm terribly sorry if you're one of those filthy people who thinks that you can, you know, just completely demoralise everybody. And this was by, by garages. It just dumped it in somebody's space. You know, I'd have literally, well, I can't tell you what I've been doing with half these boxes, but he wouldn't be walking in a straight line anymore. And so 320 quid is not enough. And so the council have said it's about time these courts gave higher fines. I don't see any reason why they can't make it £1,000 or £10,000. If it's a repeat, it goes up to £10,000. Very shortly, they'll have to stop doing it. Very shortly. You just keep pushing them and pushing them. And then eventually they go, I haven't got any money. You go, well, you're going to prison then, aren't you? going around ruining our neighbourhood. I tell you what, you see, what I want to do is, the people who dump all this stuff, I want to gather it all up in big nets, hoist it up into the air on a helicopter, take it over wherever they live, and just open the net, and just firebomb them from above. Why not? Goodness sake, they dumped it in the first place. Let's get them back, shall we? Let's de- Why are teenage boys so geeky and gawky? The answer is because they are. I saw one of those um, interceptor programmes, and it was in a car park. I think it could have been Slough or somewhere ghastly like that. And, uh, and it was these uh, boys who thought they were really big and clever, fronting up to policemen. And one of the boys, the policeman says, get out of my space. And he pushes, he says, don't touch me, it's an assault. They think they're really clever. Anyway, silly little girl's blouse got arrested. And, of course, he thought he was being really clever. He's fronting up to this, uh, to this policeman. And the, and the copper calls him spotty. He said, you're ginger. He said, I'd rather be spotty than ginger. I thought, oh, you wouldn't really. Oh, you really wouldn't. You really wouldn't. So the reason that they're so gawky now is because they get this sudden growth spurt, don't they? I mean, we all do it. You know, people... I remember my, my godson, he was, he was sort of normal size. And I went, I bet he shoots up. Well, I'm going to say he's six foot three. Six foot three, he's only 18. Six foot three, it's just absolutely frightening. Uh, Sarah Khan, the apprentice star. She was a loser. She wasn't a star of it at all. The rubbish they write here. Says her libido's so low, she's told her husband he can sleep with other women. Uh, shocking, Sarah Vine suspects many women will sympathise. Yeah, except the husband who said we've got no such arrangement. So she's either the world's biggest liar or she's an attention seeker. And I suspect she's probably an attention seeker because, frankly, she's done nothing that's, uh, that's taken her into my radar at all. What do these people want to sit on television and tell you this for? Absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. Uh, here's um, a lot of people talking about um, what, what Jan Moyer says in her column. And we, we sort of, we go roughly along the same thing. They've got lots of, uh, she does the story about can, where there's loads of people who turn up and look very pretty on the carpet. They're not in any films. They're just, again, attention seekers. You know, and it's a uh, possible sympathiser. Oh, right, of Sarah Khan. Sarah Vine is, of course, married to Michael Gove, who's the Justice Secretary. Isn't it? It's, I just don't believe it. What, would you not consult your husband if you, if you say we have an agreement that he can go off and sleep with other women? He's always said in every interview, I think my wife is stunning. Why would you want to go and sleep with somebody else? You know, I don't want to sort of... Well, I don't want to bring it down to basics at all, but, you know, I mean, he doesn't need to go and sleep with other people. 
There's other things you can do. I've read the manuals. I've read the books. Don't want to go into it this morning. I still find most of it quite distressing. Uh, 84850, uk. If Gaza does guy, die, will the person who bought them the gin be charged? Um, no, of course not. No, because you don't know. I don't know what state Gaza's liver's in, but, I mean, judging by the pictures of him, he looks dreadful. He looks dreadful. But then, you know, I've seen alcoholics before. They look They look bad. Because they rely on the booze. But, you know, I think it's very sad that this bloke is pictured in the paper today who buys him a bottle of gin when the supermarket staff have done their bit and they've said, we're not serving you gin. Twice, twice they've said, we're not serving you gin. Not serving him any alcohol at all. And so I think that's a good idea. I mean, he could have argued the toss, but he probably shuffled off out into the car park. And this bloke goes, don't worry, mate. I've, uh, I've, I'll, um, I'll go and get you the bottle of gin. And that's what he did. Stupid person. Very stupid. One thing you don't do is uh, is buy alcoholics booze. You really don't. And uh, uh, Jane in Cheltenham, possibly, possibly. You'll have to work that one out. Uh, Steve, Control-Alt-Delete causes your computer to restart. Um, you see, but he hasn't logged onto the computer. Uh, this is the O'Brien story this morning. He hasn't logged onto the computer. He's just accessed his mail. But we don't know how he's accessed. He's done it via the website. And so he's taken away everybody else's thing. It is there. And it's, and it's only because he was in the studio yesterday that we've got it occurring here. I believe it occurs downstairs as well. So you have to, there must be some way round it. I should have to get Clive to sort it out. Uh, another one. Oh, um, uh, Anne says, uh, clearly you're with Coots. Well, the bank that, uh, that I am with owns Coots and Childs and all the old banking families. And uh, I would love to be with Coots. Love to be with Coots. Because they've got a branch just down the road from here. I like the idea of being with... An, I'm with Royal Bank of Scotland. Shortly to go back to William and Glynn's, which was one of the early banks, together with Childs, Coots. What's the other one? There's one at um, Leicester, uh, at uh, Trafalgar Square, uh, which, again, is one of the old banking families. And they've got all their records that go back to the 1700s and things like that. And so I can't wait for it to go back to William and Glynn's, because that's what I joined Years and years ago, I had a spell with Lloyd's, had a spell with the Midland, and then William and Glynn's came along. And it just seemed, you know, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. Well, in fact, I'm, I'm very much a traditionalist, and so I, I like things like that. So when it goes back to William and Glynn's, I'll be very happy. Very happy indeed. So, yes, I am f- effectively with Coots, but not physically with Coots, but it's all part of it. Uh, have a lovely time tomorrow. Let your hair down, says Noreen. Still getting loads of congratulations. Yes, I mean, I, I said to my boss yesterday, because he said, oh, well done, Steve. We said, that, we said that so many times. I said, I must have been the most hugged person in the building, which was uh, absolutely lovely. Perfect strangers coming up and saying, well done, Steve. And you think, oh, God, everybody knows who I am. Because I don't kind of think about that. I, re- I really don't think about that at all. It was, it was lovely. It was very nice indeed. Very nice. Don't forget the Windsors tonight, she says. We particularly like Beatrice and Eugenie. Yes, apparently, uh, Beatrice and Eugenie, otherwise known as the Ugly Sisters from Cinderella, um, will be going to the Chelsea Flower Show, together with uh, everybody else who's going down there, because I think you've got... I don't think the Queen's going, because we've only been told that William and Kate are going. So they're obviously, you know, the Queen's going, I'm sick to death of going to the bloody flower show. And um, was, well, we've got something on Eugenie coming up in the free podcast, have we? <gasps> we've got a Eugenie story. Ooh. Why does George Galloway wear his hat indoors? Is there something the matter with him? 
Why is he wearing his hat indoors? Very impolite, but there you go. Uh, Joe, oh yes, so, so that they've said that, that Kate and um, the other one who doesn't do anything in the royal family partly flies a helicopter. He's not done that for ages now. Uh, he's been resting, because they've suddenly realised that they don't actually have to do anything at all, as Eugenie and Beatrice discovered a long time ago, a bit like their father and their mother. And uh, so they're, they're, they're going to troop off to... Uh, to the Chelsea Flower Show. Imagine how boring that's going to be. You go there and you've got Beatrice and Eugenie there and Prince Andrew, dullards, every one of them. And believe you me, I'm a royalist. I'm speaking as a royalist. I just don't like the hanger-oners who don't do any work. And uh, and then uh, they said that Harry's a regular. Harry's a regular? What, at the bar? I can't see he's actually going to be down at the Chelsea Flower Show. But they've said yes. Of course, Beatrice and Eugenie will be very busy on their phones. Or just take a selfie of Granny again. How rude, honestly. How impertinent. I know it's not my family, but to be honest with you, I feel as like I've invested over the years. Do you think that Harry's going to turn up with, uh, with his brother again? It must be like, God, not Harry. Harry, why can't you just find a girlfriend and take her, all right? Because when Harry finds a girlfriend, as opposed to just one of his little you know, one or two night stands, I think, basically, uh, the press will then go, oh, is this the girl he's going to marry? And I don't think Harry's ever going to get married. I'm prepared to put money on it, actually. I might put a pound on at the uh, at the betting shop. I might do. LBC News Time, 5.30, with the latest. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC, with Steve Allen. We, we sort of just at the last minute, with the help of the Black uh, Cab Poet, uh, Michael, we managed to find out the name of the bank is Drummond's. Drummond's is the one. It's all part of the Royal Bank of Scotland. It was started... I think uh, way back in about 1717 by a man called Andrew Drummond, who was a a goldsmith. Uh, The bank remained within the family until 1924 when it was purchased by the Royal Bank of Scotland. And it was the first acquisition for the Royal Bank south of the Scottish border and would actually be the first step in the bank's development into the largest bank in the world in terms of assets. So they have lots of private clients. The building that it's in at the moment was, uh, was that originally they were at 49 Charing Cross, uh, in 1760. 1877, they were rebuilt by Admiralty Arch, which was being built, and the Mall was laid out shortly afterwards. And I've been there for lunch. And you, you have lunch in there. It's above the front door. They've got a lovely room, and it's, it's really... It's, I was taken there because I'm a, because I'm a client and um, because I'm a private banking customer. So it was, it was really lovely. And you look out over Trafalgar Square, and it was then that I thought, if ever I become immensely rich, I'm going to buy a flat that has actually got... Um, a lovely view of Trafalgar Square, which actually must be great. You could sort of have your own fireworks, couldn't you, on, on firework night? Which I think is good. I like anything like that. I like that. Uh, Warren's having a bit of a day. Uh, very nice, actually. Very nice day he's having at the moment. I think there'll be a hosepipe out somewhere, won't there, Warren? I should imagine. It's going to be sunny today, so there's no rain. There's no rain forecast at all. And CJ says, Coots, I think we're in Whitehall. Um, oh, wait a minute. They might have been. There might have been something down there that looked a bit like um, uh, Coots. Uh, they were, again, they're at the Strand. They've got 28 offices. They had further offices, Canary Wharf and other Fleet Street offices. I don't remember until the, apparently Coots is, uh, they've now got this uh, posh building. It's too posh for me in the Strand. I like an old-fashioned building. I want it to be like Mary Poppins, where they open the door, you know, a British bank. must, You know, that. I like that kind of thing. And so it's very nice indeed. You need about a million pounds in investable assets. Now, I'm a little bit short at the moment. I don't want you to feel sorry for me in any way, shape or form. Uh, not including real estate. So <laughs> there you go. And uh, Or if you're a nurse, I believe that nurses... There always used to be this story that nurses had accounts at Coots. 
And I always thought, how nice that must be. It's, it's a clearing bank uh, to the nobility and the landed gentry. But now, of course, entrepreneurs, entertainers, sportsmen, professionals and executives and the British royal family. Wouldn't you be wanting to go through their accounts? How much has the Queen spent this month? Nothing. Not, nothing. She's not spent anything at all. I'd be going through everybody's. Especially Eugenie and Beatrice. Hello, darling, how much have you got in the account? Well, you don't do a day's work, do you? So, the theory shouldn't have anything in the account at all. Perhaps you should go and live with Mummy in Verbier and stay there. That would do us all a favour. Uh, so, uh, they have been around all these banks for a long, long time. And I don't, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by them. <laughs> if you placed a bet on Harry never marrying, I don't think he'd be around to collect the winnings in the event that you were right, Steve. He's definitely not going to be getting married any time soon. He's complained about the intrusion of the press. But there again, he's had more than his fair share of stand-up, fall-down, Sarah Harding kind of uh, moments. So, I mean, I just don't think he will. Because whoever he parades in front, and at the moment, he's, he's getting a bit old for trailing behind his brother, isn't he, all the time? You know, the brother's got married, now on child number two. Harry's still sort of, you know, wandering around in a bit of a dolly daydream. Uh, Paul says, why would uh, Sarah Khan make something so private so public? I bet if Sarah Khan's husband did stray, there'd be hell to pay. He says, oh, and congratulations on the award. Thank you. Yes, I mean, I don't, I think, basically, she's embarrassed him. I think she's embarrassed him. I mean, you know, he's absolutely besotted with her. Why would he want to start going up? I mean, you know, why would he want to? That's why I thought she's either, you know, a very sad attention seeker or she's lonely or something. Something's gone wrong, hasn't it? But anyway, it gives the uh, the journalist an opportunity. You know, where would you stray from your marriage? That's the kind of thing you get. Uh, talking of people who are attention seeking, uh, Lady Victoria Hervey, a former it girl. That wasn't the word that we used in the business about her, but it was close. And now they say she was famous for wearing skimpy outfits. I mean, she's a bit old now. She's 39. I think she's still uh, still single. Uh, she was posing in the south of France. And she's, uh, she's, she's nobody. She's just nobody. She was, you know, we used to have these twit girls years ago. And they were just vapid and vacuous. There's been a few of them. And she was sort of, she wasn't even at the top of the list. She wasn't even there at all. There's two of them. There's uh, the, the sisters. But as I say, the mother was the secretary and happened to marry the sixth Marquess of Bristol, so that's how they got the title. There's no sort of there's no sort of royal blood running through her veins, let me tell you. The Legends of the Throttle, you're gonna love these pictures in the mail today. It's the last of the Spitfires. It was sold for twenty five quid for scrap, and they put it back together again. And uh, here they are, captured in all their splendour. The Spitfires that did it for us. Downed but not forgotten. And uh, this one here. Uh, is at the RAF Museum at Colher near Bristol. And then it was restored to take part in Battle of Britain. If you've never seen the film, and everybody who was involved in Battle of Britain must have seen the film, it's well worth catching. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's a nice place to go. Where is that? I don't know. It looks absolutely delightful. It could be Russia, actually. But I want to live in Russia. I don't think so. I don't think so. I've seen some interesting houses there, but I don't think you'd ever know, would you, whether or not it... Oh, it's Budapest. Budapest, as they say. Budapest. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Front page of the uh, the Daily Star. We know if we're going to go for a quality paper, it's only 20 pence. So you're not exactly going to waste your time on this one, are you, really? And they've got Perfect Petra. I don't know who Perfect Petra is, so I need to turn to page 12 to 13, because she's obviously a hefty hideaway girl. And who is she? Perfect Petra. Perfect Petra. I don't know. I've got no idea. Oh, it's Petra Nemkova. Of course it is. We were always saying that. Where is Petra Nemkova, we say, around here? And um, she's, a, she's a Czech model, aren't they all? They're either Czech or Russian, in between doing other things, I suppose. And uh, Kanye West has admitted he's a bit of a twit when he was asking Mark Zuckerberg for cash. 
There again, we always thought Kanye West was a, an absolute real twit. Here's, uh, here's poor old uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, with his uh, on-off, on-off squeeze. It's some sort of model who turned up to Cannes doing all the famous poses. That's all they do now. They just sort of go out there and pose. Sorry, are you in a film, darling? No, not really. OK. Uh, now, as you know, I'm with you every Saturday morning on LBC, as was pointed out by Christopher Biggins at the uh, at the Archivist yesterday. Steve Allen is so successful, he's on seven days a week. Or as Biggins put it, he's got no friends. So uh, seven days a week, I'm here. And tomorrow, I'm here with you. And the good news is that you get the best of Steve Allen. In fact, the first bit of the programme today just sealed it for it. The producer was very happy. He's finally got the last bit of the jigsaw that goes in. So between five and six... It's uh, the best of Steve Allen. Between six and seven, it's In Conversation, just before Andrew's breakfast show. And this week, we have two fascinating guests for you. Uh, The first one is uh, a journalist and a publisher. He was responsible for more than 100 successful magazines, titles and websites. Captivated by the computer revolution, he realised the potential of the internet as a means of sharing information on a massive scale. This led to TED a non-profit organisation that features online talks on a diverse range of subjects from an equally diverse group of people. So I'm joined by the head of TED, who is Chris Anderson, and he tells what's behind the art that is public speaking. An idea, if you could actually see it in your mind right now, Steve, it would be like this tangle of literally millions of neurons in this weird pattern. Somehow in 15 minutes or 18 minutes, you can transfer that whole thing into other people's minds. Um, how on earth? And it's it's weird that you can do it at all. And um, the fact that we can is down to you know it's the miracle of language. The fact that a lot of the pieces of that idea already exist in people's minds. You just have to assemble them the right way. But depending on what the idea is, there there are different approaches to it. And what I've tried to do in the book is is say, you know, there isn't a formula here. Like some people think there's a sort of you know, for TED Talk formula or whatever. No, no, no. We we really think not. We think every speaker and situation is different. You want a variety of speaking. The one thing you do want is to actually successfully give this gift of of an idea. You want speakers coming to the stage saying, "No, this is not about me." You know, this is about trying to share something that actually matters. And if if you start there, then you can figure out ways to 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 do that. And it's basically about assembling a very complex pattern inside other people's minds, you know, often starting by just asking their permission to do it. And that's where things like humor and, you know, a human connection come in. You 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 don't people are resistant to strangers poking around inside their heads. They need yes. to trust you first. And so yes. you build a bit of trust first and then you get to work. How do you build trust? In somebody, because you know, do you have a, a given period of time that you can build trust in somebody? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the first couple of minutes of the talk, often you want to show why this is matters and why you should be given permission to explore it. Uh, humor definitely helps if you can get someone laughing with you. Yeah. You know, you're then friends, and they say, oh, "Come on in," you know. Um, but um, just a, like a humble anecdote, or um, just just showing that you're not. This isn't. You're not full of yourself. This isn't about you boasting, which so many talks are a form of that, and that is actually off-putting. I think it's counterproductive. Such an interesting man. And I was so tired during the interview, but just listening back to it there, I couldn't really say the word trust. Oh, sorry. And I, I couldn't quite say the word trust. And I managed to, It made me sound as though I was slurring a little bit. It's because I was so, so tired. And uh, one of the other guests who did come in to talk to me was late. And, and I was literally clinging on to life 
I promise you, I've never clung on to life like I've clung on to life. And I'd had some jelly babies, which made me sound as if I was a bit drunk, but I promise you I wasn't. So he was very interesting, actually. So he's the owner of the organisation behind TED Talk. So he's going to be with me this weekend. Now, my second guest is a Canadian actress, presenter and comedian. She gave up her job as a waitress in Hooters to pursue a career... In comedy, after starting out doing open mic nights at comedy clubs, she went on to perform in bigger venues with her stand-up act, as well as forging a very successful career in television, both as an actor and a presenter. It's Catherine Ryan, and she tells me about why she gets so much joy from taking part in a comedy roast. I love the North American roast language in comedy, and I've got oh, a show. Oh, I was show. horrified. Oh, I love it. Did you love it? A roast is, incidentally, exp- you, you explain a roast to people. Well, we've got a, a show coming out on ITV2 June 2nd called Safe Word, and our version of the roast is we're horrible to celebrities until we ask them to stop. So I think that a roast is a great honor. You go through someone's career... Uh, and you forensically pick out the achievements that they've had, the horrible things that they've done, any criminal altercations that have taken place, anything. Nothing's off limits. And you craft jokes about that CV. I think that's a great honor. It's not cheap. It's not a tabloid yeah. style of, you did this. They've read all this before. They, you know, But it's a, a beautiful tribute, I think, to someone in a language of horrible, abusive comedy. Yes. And the safe word is the one that they use to make it stop. That's right. Which I believe they, they use in, in filmmaking, ladies and gentlemen, of the adult variety. <laughs> That's true. They have a safe word. I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, yeah. stop that one. But in America, I saw it where um, they, they, it's, it's creeping over here more and more, I think, yeah. where you get a bunch of celebrities in a room and they will roast, say, for example, Joan Rivers. And yes. people will tell stories about Joan Rivers. And mainly it involves filth mm. and language and everything else. And she will sit there and she will take it all in. And we do it over here, but without the bad language. Oh, it, it does. It's it's kind of a mild British version. It's like you know you were terrible once to a pussycat. <laughs> and in America, of course, it would be completely different. Yes. And so that that that's what you get. And I I think people like that. I think people like people being cruel to other people. Because, I love it because oh, me too. it shows that the celebrity has a sense of humor about themselves. And if you can take it and then you respond, you get the last word. It is just fun. Comedy's meant to make everything better. Yes. Everything lighter. Better and lighter. That's what we like, actually. The lovely uh, Catherine Ryan on performing a comedy roast. She's going to be with me this weekend for In Conversation, along with the owner of the organisation behind TED Talks. That's Chris Anderson. So both of them tomorrow morning from six, just after the best of Steve Allen. And then again on Sunday evening from nine. Plus, you can download the whole thing from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet. And Catherine is performing tomorrow evening. It's sort of the end of her tour. And she's down at the, uh, the Apollo in Hammersmith, uh, which I think is the Eventum Apollo. I lose track of it. Uh, and she's down there, and if you are going, and she's getting a bit rude, uh, you've got to dress yourself up a bit because they're going to video it and put it out as a show on television. Okay? So I just thought I'd warn you now in case you want to get onto the, uh, onto the television kind of thing, which uh, sounds which, which very nice. Very nice indeed, so good luck. Uh, have you seen the film First Light? The autobiography of Geoffrey Wellham. Steve, who's a Battle of Britain Spitfire pilot, you need to check it out. And then uh, Mick in Wallington wants to know why model women pose with their right leg crossed over the left. Oh, I always thought they were going into the hokey-cokey, but obviously I'm wrong. I th- it's all, have you noticed, though, everywhere now, we don't have sort of any British models anymore, because the best we, we've actually got is that uh, is Kate Moss, 
When you see these willowy-looking ones, we've come from Czechoslovakia and Russia, look, everybody. I saw some dreadful cattle market in Russia where they go, OK, we look for models, come here, you, you stand here. And ha- that, How old are they? Fifteen. Fifteen. There is so little for them to do in Russia. The idea is they want to get over here as quick as possible, start working, find somebody to marry who's rich, and then settle down and then not work ever again. And uh, they have them, OK, dance for me, dance for me. It's all a bit mechanical. It was all a little bit cattle market. I didn't like it at all. It's uh, twelve to six. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Certainly is. It's uh, nine minutes to six. Welcome to Friday. You can be uh, you can be allowed to jump up and down and go. Thank goodness for the weekend. Unless of course you're working the weekend, in which case you can look suitably depressed and downcast and downtrodden and feeling a bit sick about the whole thing. Uh, thank you to uh, to uh, to uh, to Sim, who says it's so true. Steve, everybody wants to be a celebrity. Somebody should write a book about it. Do you know that's an idea. That is a night. Do you think somebody could... What would they call it, though? You'd have to call it, so you want to be a celebrity. You know, do you think that would be... I wonder if you type that in on something like Amazon, something would sort of pop up. Do you think that would sort of pop up on Amazon? So you want to be a celebrity. I mean, Joe, it would be a gift, wouldn't it, really? Because everybody wants to be famous in their own little way. I mean, to a certain extent... I'm famous because I do a job that means that lots of people can listen in. And uh, next week, uh, and also on the subject of that book, uh, hopefully there'll be an audio version very shortly. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And then you can listen to it in the car. Because it's a bit difficult. I've discovered driving and reading at the same time poses immeasurable threats of my life and everybody else's life on the motorway. So, uh, so you want to be a celebrity, the audio version. I'll do that next week. I'll record that next week. I'll just put it, put it together next week, which I think would be very, very good. What was I going to mention, actually? There was something else. Oh, yes, somebody else was asking about uh, uh, Coots. And, uh, Steve, I remember there were two branches, one in the Strand and one in Fleet Street. I remember talking for half an hour to Lemmy outside the Fleet Street branch many years ago, says Roman. Yeah, it's a bit... The, the one in the Strand is opposite McDonald's, which is also where all the um, the people sleep in doorways and everything else, and just down from... Uh, the police station down there, which used to be the hospital. And uh, and also, just over the road, sort of just over the road, is is it the Arts Club or something like that? They've got an original piece of Victorian London. Did I, I told you this before. This is an original piece of, <coughs> excuse me, Victorian London, which is a cobbled street. And it appears under their building. It's in their, their theatre. And it's a cobbled street. It's, re- it's quite exciting. I like things like that. And then a little bit further down, if you go down to the embankment, there's a water gate on the left-hand side, which is uh, just before you hit the embankment tube, there's some gardens. But that used to be where the Thames came in. The Thames used to be twice as wide as it is now. As you could see, this water gate, it used to be a big house. Why didn't they leave it? Oh, dear, these lovely houses, which we sort of, we pull down and put up these monstrosities. Have you been down Victoria recently? If you don't, if you don't live in town, it won't make any difference. But the, uh, the little theatre where Billy Elliot played for, for so long, is surrounded by all these ghastly buildings. Ghastly buildings. It reminds me of a film which Steven Spielberg had. And was it called Have Batteries or something like that? It was about little creatures who came from another planet and there was a little uh, thing. I think Jessica Tandy was in this film. And it was uh, this, this cafe in the middle... And these little creatures from outer space visited in their little spacecraft. Little tiny spacecraft. And batteries not included. It's a really good film. But at the end of it, this little place survives. I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's been out since, uh, God knows, 1987, I think. So it's a family comic science fiction thing. And uh, at the very end of the film, the, uh, the big people coming in to destroy them, to put up these monstrosities, can't do it. 
And so that remained, the little people in the little flying saucers put this, this cafe together as it used to look in the 1940s and 50s. It's a lovely, a very pleasing film, very pleasing film. And it's, and it's really nice. And so they're there and then the camera pans away from them and there's all these huge skyscrapers. That's what it looks like at the moment down in, uh, in Victoria. It's ghastly, quite ghastly. How they're allowed to do that, I've got no idea. Uh, 84850. Uh, Matt says, talking about Spitfires, whatever came of that explorer businessman who thought he knew the whereabouts of 20 brand new Spitfires still in their boxes in Indonesia? <laughs> The very idea that they were going to be in boxes anyway. I should imagine they probably probably went years and years ago. Years and years ago, I should imagine, actually. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, there is an app, says Anna, for TED Talks. I've downloaded the app. Excellent talks. Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, when you listen to the interview, you have to. I have to apologise in advance because I do sound as I'm slurring. It's only because I was literally on my last... Le- I mean, I was clinging on to the desk for, gri- for, for, for grim life. It was, it was absolutely dreadful. Speaking of roasts, says Mike, uh, uh, not the Sunday kind, the Dean Martin roasts you can see on YouTube are legendary and very funny. The, um, some of them are dreadful language. I mean, I'm not a prude, as you know, but, I mean, they really are absolutely terrible. They really are the worst kind of language. I don't want to hear... It's bad enough hearing it from Katie Price's son. I don't want to hear it from anybody else, thank you. Uh, Mike says, good name for a book on being a celebrity, a legend in my own mind. A legend... Yeah, a legend in my own lunchtime. But that's what some of them are, aren't they? If you look at the pictures of all the people who turn up, you know, I mean, it's, it's very nice to see, you know, Katie Perry and Lara Stone turning up at, uh, at the Cannes Film Festival. They're not in films, half these people. You know, even Helen Mirren, we're getting a bit tediously bored with her. You know, here's Helen Mirren again. We know she looks fantastic for 71, but for God's sake, give it a rest. Why don't you stay in sometimes? And then there's Alessandro Ambrosio and Heidi Klum. And they're just sort of girls who wear it. They might as well stand there, start naked. It would make it so much easier. There's no point wearing a dress at all. Don't, don't start coming over all shy and coy, when, to be honest with you, you probably need that boob tape to even keep the things inside. Mind you, Cheryl's done the ultimate, hasn't she? She's managed to find herself a tattooist who will actually sort of hold her boobs apart and do a tattoo in the middle of them. Real class act there. Goes down very well where she comes from. I tell you, all, all, all the people up in Newcastle, way, eh? Because you're worth it. That tattooist, he had his work cut out there, Steve. And uh, she did it. As I say, shame she doesn't concentrate as much on her music. But there again, I think that's gone by the wayside now. She might as well just sit at home and vegetate. Which would make it a lot easier, isn't it? Uh, What else we got here? What else we got here, Steve, very quickly? Um, And uh, Jan in South Norwood. Yes, I agree with you. And uh, in case you've not mentioned it, says Hillary... Uh, there is a C. Hoare & Co. private family bankers, founded 1672 by Sir Richard Hoare. At present, there are two branches, 37 Fleet Street and 32 Lowndes Street in London. Nice, nice. I like to go there. Uh, I want to go to um, the Chelsea Flower Show and smell flowers, says Grace. Well, you go. You go. You can go there. They, they sell tickets to people. They have certain days. They have certain days where it's open to uh, us commoners. But as I said, if you want to sort of bypass that, you join the Royal Horticultural Society and you have a special day for you to go there, which is nice. Robert says, I'm with Coots. Not as good as it used to be. The bank charges are eye-watering. They charge like a wounded bull and they no longer send out a diary every year. Used to get invited to the Strand for lunch. Not even a McDonald's. Uh, the, The one good thing is when you phone up, things do get sorted quickly. Actually, I've never had any problems with my bank. Isn't that funny? Well, it's not funny at all, actually, but I mean, I think that's quite pleasing. I've never had any problems. I've never felt the need to phone up and say, listen, I think somebody's accessed my bank because you can't. It's not physically possible. We do all online banking. 
My uh, The lady who looks after my account does everything online, doesn't need to physically go anywhere. I don't know to go into a branch unless I want to take out some £50 notes or something like that because they don't do them in the in the machines outside. But I've never had anything. I know some of you have had dreadful problems. Over the years, you've written to me saying, oh, I just want to rip your hair out. Uh, of course, I can't do that at all. Uh, Kate, Katie says, uh, I used to be front of house manager covering 11 properties in Edinburgh, one of them being Adam and Company, very traditional and proper. She says, thank you for being you. And she says, congratulations, so well deserved for cheering us all up in the morning. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's about. It's nice. That's what somebody said to me. They said the good thing about the Steve Allen audience is they're very loyal. Coming up to the news at six o'clock, still to come, the girl and the, uh, the staffy, which attacked, I think, 14 children. This berserk staffy, savage, 14 of them. Uh, nobody too seriously, but either way, you know, when you look at where this was, it was in a sealed-off sort of place. It's just, you know, this dog is obviously out of control. I don't know whether or not they'll allow it to uh, go back out uh, and be within, you know, confines with other people. Colleen Rooney, ha, 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 named most admired working mum in Britain. Oh, please do me a favour. The schoolboy who hid 134 wraps of drugs from the police by putting them inside. Um, Eurovision gets very complicated. Terry Wogan would be really confused by this. Uh, it turns out Fern McCann hasn't got a film role after all. It was just a load of old hooey. But, of course, she is talking to people because that's where she sees her career going. Funny that. I see it going completely the opposite direction. It's Steve Allen's show. Leading Britain's conversation... This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday, the 20th of May, beginning of the weekend. It might be nice today. The weather seems okay. We think there might be a bit of rain this afternoon, but I mean, what the heck? It's Friday. We don't worry, do we? Uh, The footy legend David Ginnler recovering a suspected heart attack. He's only 49. That's Staffy, who savages 14 children. It's now in a secure kennel. To be honest with you, even when one man picked up his son, the dog jumped up and bit him again. I mean, this is a dog out of control. Sadly, it'll be a bad owner, somebody who has not had it trained or done anything properly at all. The intruder free inside the palace for seven minutes. The Queen's in. Shades again of something that happened so many years ago. Three days on, the woman at the centre of the SNP love triangle breaks cover. You can bet your life it's going to be a sold-to-the-Sunday-papers kind of story. If not this week, might be next. And uh, Elton John and David Furnish on their perfect marriage, which is a, a lovely heartwarming story for all of you people who love a good showbiz story. And that's a lovely showbiz story. And they're in the, uh, the mail today. Uh, plus the mods and old rockers, Quadrophenia, uh, re, re-put back together again. Oh, it's lovely. I loved the film. I thought it was great. And Phil Daniels was great. And Toya. And everybody else. It was, uh, it was, it was of its day. Of its day. We take all your texts and emails. 84850 uk. And um, uh, Tony says, I was so pleased to hear about your gold award. And so congratulations. Keep going. He says, I visited your dear friend Pete Murray in Wimbledon a few weeks ago for a magazine interview. Pete Murray, as anybody will tell you, is an ex-LBC presenter. He's 90. Dear, look, that must be all those years of playing tennis. And he's got fond memories of you and his time at LBC. My favourite, actually, Tony, is the story, which uh, he won't have told you because he probably wouldn't remember it, when we were in Gough Square. And uh, I was coming up from Fleet Street, up one of the alleys into Gough Square, with my sandwich, and Pete is walking down towards me. And he said, uh, uh, see you, Steve. I'll see you on uh, on Monday. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going home. I said, 
You're still on air. He went, am I? Bugger. And turned round and walked back into the studio. He'd completely forgotten the time. Completely forgotten the time. But uh, dear Pete Murray, so uh, 90 years young, uh, not out in Wimbledon. And that was the thing. I remember when Pete retired. I remember it distinctly. And, uh, and he used to love playing his tennis. He really did. So it's obviously served him very well indeed. And lots of regular LBC listeners will be sending him lots of good wishes. So let us know when the, uh, when the article is out. Because I did see him a short while ago, and I can't remember where it was. It might have been at a, at a Water Rats do. Might, I'm, I'm sure it was something like that. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, I went to Coots in Whitehall, says CJ. I think it was one of their offices rather than the main branch. Possibly. Uh, Kevin the Milkman, so right. Uh, one of the pilots in the film took it as his, as his pay. Several of the aircraft took him back to America, put them in a barn, and they stayed there says Bob. They've just been auctioned. Well, they, there's uh, a number of uh, spitfires uh, around and uh, there are enthusiasts and people who um, who sort of look after them and they uh, they hold them dear. But if, if you want to see what they look like flying, then uh, go watch Battle of Britain. It's a, a great, great film. It really is. Really good film. And the music's not bad either. The music's not bad at all. Other stories of the papers we'll come round to, So I'm trying to get through as, uh, as many of these as possible. There's still confusing and conflicting stories about the tragedy of flight MS-804, blown out of the sky. Um, they fear the jet bombed like Lockerbie. Um, 66 killed, but they haven't found it. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, there are five ways that this aircraft could have been destroyed. Five ways. Uh, and they are as follows. A bomb was planted. I put this theory out this morning at Charles de Gaulle Airport, like the drink can bomb. ISIS claimed it placed on a Russian jet at Sharm el Sheikh last year. And it was thought to be unlikely, as security there is unprecedented in the wake of the Paris attacks. But still, still an option. Uh, two, a complex and sophisticated device planted in Cairo on two timers. The first timer kicks in close to takeoff in Egypt and starts a barometric pressure device when it lands in Paris. When the pressure decreases as the plane starts to land over the Mediterranean, a second timer goes off, causing the explosion. That sounds too complicated for me. Too complicated. Also, a catastrophic failure of the plane's engine. Again, this one was serviced only a, only a short while ago. Also, taken out by accident in a crowded sky where Russian, Syrian, UK, American and the Arab Air Forces were operating. Uh, the crew or the passengers initiated the bomb. Uh, a specialist there admitted the chances of a mechanical malfunction were slim, which is what we told you yesterday on LBC. He says it's a modern plane. The incident happened in mid-flight in extremely stable conditions. Uh, quality of maintenance and the quality of the plane are not in question. An air travel expert said no alert being made could mean the airline has suffered a catastrophic failure, possibly as a result of an explosion. And that's where they think it could be that. I mean, you have to be cautious about drawing conclusions. It, it wouldn't have needed to be a large device if it was a terrorist-related failure uh, to lose cabin pressure. The European Air Traffic Network manager, Eurocontrol, said there were no weather issues at the time. No weather issues. So it's still open and we're still trying to find it think they'd have a rough idea by now, wouldn't you? But, you know, you are looking for the proverbial needle in a haystack. It's, I don't know. You'd think they'd have little sort of submarines that could go out and go under the water. As opposed to going over the top of it, where it's so difficult to see things, as we know, then going, you know, underneath the surface to see if you can find something. Goodness knows what's down there. Uh, Ginola, David Ginola. He's uh, recovering in hospital after collapsing during a game. Initial reports claimed he'd suffered a cardiac arrest and lost consciousness. Uh, he said it was simply the hot weather. God, I do hope so. 
I do hope so. Uh, what's going to happen to that staffy? I suspect it will probably be put down because you don't have bad dogs, you have bad owners. People who uh, go out there for a dog to bite 14 children. This is a dog out of control. It's a woman being questioned, I believe, at the moment. Uh, I was trying to find a story which I, I did for you yesterday because I saw her being interviewed. And this is Fern McCann was being interviewed on the television. I mean, really, I don't really know what films you can put her in unless they're remaking Mary Poppins with somebody who can't speak English properly. In which case, she'll probably... Uh... Oh, it's a paper everywhere. So messy this morning. And, um, and she said, no, there is no film... Uh, which the papers were speculating on yesterday. Some of the, the columnists had completely got the wrong end of the stick. Completely got the wrong end of the stick. She said, no, no, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not doing that. And I thought, well, that's what I thought. I didn't think she was doing it anyway, because I'd made some inquiries, and somebody said, no, where did you get that from? I said, well, it was in a paper. And they said, well, it's, it's not true. And she's now obviously had to, to fess up and come clean about it, saying that, uh, no, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening, but I'll, I'll find which, uh, which, which paper it's in for you this morning. Because, you know, I think you have to be told the truth about these things. And mostly, these celebrities go, oh, yes, I'm going to be doing a film. And you think, who on earth... She's never acted in her life. Never acted in her life. Why do you think all of a sudden people go, well, I think I'll be... It's like when people say, oh, I think I'll be, um... I think I'll be, um... I'll be a presenter. And we all laughed when that poor bloke... Uh, what's his name, who was in uh, Made in Chelsea. Spencer, little Spencer, funny little Spencer. How we laugh at him, how we laugh, ha, 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 out of sympathy. And he said, uh, oh, I th- I'm going to be a presenter, I'll do some presenting. On what? Don't you think these people just walk into television programmes? You've all seen how disastrous Rylan is. They're trying to interview somebody. You'd think, actually, it would be fairly easy to sit down there and talk to somebody about what they do for a living. Well, Rylan finds it impossible. Because he's got no talent in that area at all. He could sit there and play the giddy goat and call everybody babe, which is so dated and so, so naff. You know, but when it comes to actually interviewing, he can't interview for Toffee. Doesn't have the faintest idea. Either he hasn't done any research or he just doesn't know what to talk to people about. Perhaps he just, you know, if you get babe, if he does that every five minutes, people think it's funny. It's not really. It's not really. Uh, what have we got? Oh, you've only got a few weeks to go to see London's favourite comedy hit. Bill uh, Kenwright's Alan Akeborn's How the Other Half Loves. That, I think, your life. Like, And as the Royal Navy unveils its formidable new aircraft carrier, they look at the remarkable statistics behind the giants that still rule the waves. I remember going on an aircraft carrier once, years and years ago. One came into Hong Kong Harbour. And, uh, oh, God, it was huge. But then, of course, I've seen I've seen big boats before. I've seen that new one, which did you see the other day in the paper. You must have seen it in the papers. It looked absolutely wonderful. And I thought, I'd like to have a look around there. But then I thought, it's got 6,500 passengers. I'm not sure I can cope with something like that. That seems like an awful lot of people to actually get onto a, onto a ship. And I forget how many staff there were. Probably lovely. Probably lovely. But even so. Even so. Uh, Mum's clash at court as teacher gets a year's jail over affair with a boy of 16. She'd known him since she was 13. And uh, they've sent her to prison now. And I think she's been jailed for... I can't remember how long, actually. Anyway, she, uh, she used to give him sweets. And then the two mothers, the mother of the boy... And the mother of the teacher clashed in court. And, um, you know, the boy had already invented a girlfriend called Hannah to explain a, a change in his behaviour. It's funny, isn't it? And yet years ago, didn't we know? We still got it now. Mrs Robinson, the idea of an older woman educating a younger person. And we sort of watched it. And I think Jerry Hall played the part of, of Mrs Robinson. And yet when it comes to teachers, that crosses the line, doesn't it? Teachers are not allowed to cross that line between pupils. And yet we have seen it on numerous occasions. Numerous occasions. Anyway, as the, uh, as the girl was uh, jailed, I think a year's jail. So she'll then have to find a job when she comes out. 
the other story in the paper today is the uh, the sunscreen that does not give you the protection that they promised. The best performing one was Banana Boat Sun Comfort Continuous Spray, SPF 50+. And, uh, you know, you've, you've really got to get the right thing because, and kids as well need it all the time. I keep saying to myself, you've got to get a hat. If you're going out in the sunshine, take a hat. Because I have been burnt before and it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. It makes me very, very ill. Very, very sick. So if you're going outside, just be careful. Oh, Vauxhall recalled Zafiras again after a mum's fight. Uh, this is a pressure group that's been set up. So they've got a second recall for thousands of their cars again. So we've had that one. And the tumble dryer warnings are back out again. It's all warnings this morning, isn't it? I'm sorry about that. It's the best I can offer you. Uh, do you know when the weather's getting better, says Connor? My shorts are feeling neglected. Today, apparently. Today you can have a bit of sun. Well, I say today. I'll have to check again. But I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's today we get some sunshine. And some rain as well. LBC News Time. It's 6.15. The latest headlines. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Nice to have your uh, company. I was just looking through it. There's a piece that fell out of uh, one of the uh, the papers this morning, which is all about uh, holidays and cruising and everything else like that. And you can get some really good deals now. Eight days in the Scottish Highlands for, for two people for £1,000. Which is not bad, is it? I quite like the idea of cruising round on a small ship. Obviously not a very big ship. And then you could do sort of other nice ones here. Eight days for two people, £1,000. Fifteen days to uh, St Petersburg, which could be quite nice. Uh, but my, my favourite is the Norwegian fjords. I've often wanted to do a Fred Olsen holiday to the, to the fjords because it looks like the kind of thing I'd like because it's so pretty. This, this world of ours. And there's most of it we don't see. They do majestic Oslo and fjordland cruise and that's 10 days for 1300 pounds for two people and that means you get everything i think you get all your food and it's non-stop it's like i quite like the idea of just meandering through the fjords and uh, and seeing all these nice things but you could of course go to dubai they do a, a cruise there 11 days for 1099 pounds per person it's a bit more expensive, I think, there. I've never been to that. I've never, I've never been to Dubai. It doesn't interest me. I don't know why. It's just, you know, I'd rather do the fjords. I think far more entertaining. Uh, front pages of the papers, in their own words, and it's a, it's a touching little story. Elton and, and David on their perfect marriage. It's quite beautiful, really. And to bring a tear to your eye, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, migrants sparking the housing crisis. Apparently the EU tells Britain to build more homes. Where? Hello, where? Where do you think we're going to build them? Lord above, we could probably get ten people in here if I push my mind to it. Uh, the Express today, they've got uh, Outrageous, the pro-EU MP, uh, who's had to apologise, brands voters racist over migrant concerns. The jet fireball horror, which they say has killed 66, but they can't find it. They cannot find it. I don't know where it's supposed to be coming from. You would think we could find an aeroplane, wouldn't you? The last place that they, you had it on the radar, surely you start there, that's what I'm assuming, but then... Did it drift? We don't... I mean, if it if it blew up in midair, which is what they are suggesting, they're suggesting it could be a terrorist attack. It could be sophisticated. It could have been somebody on the plane. What they'll have to do, they'll have to check the passenger list. They'll have to check the pilot out. They'll have to check the co-pilot out. Then they'll have to check, was anything got on in Paris at Charles de Gaulle Airport? The answer being they think no. And the reason they think no is because security has been heightened. 
Although we all become a bit lax. It's, you know, if you, somebody wants to do something, it is actually possible to, uh, to actually do something. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Maddie uh, wrote to me about Pete Murray, because Maddie used to work at LBC when we were in Gough Square. And she says, my parents came up to London and came to meet me at work. My mum was a fan of Pete, so I asked him to come out and say hello. He was so sweet, came out and sat chatting to my mum and dad for 15 minutes. Yes, he, he joined LBC after he'd been... Uh, I think dropped by, by the BBC, and he came to us, and he he'd interviewed everybody. I mean, there was nobody. Pete, Pete Murray's open house was a was a bit of a radio legend, and I worked with him for for ages. We had some some very funny times, some very funny times. So I'm delighted to know that he's still alive and uh, going at the age of ninety. I mean, to me, Pete Murray always looks the same. He was always the colour of creosote. I've got a friend Graham who's the colour of creosote as well, but uh, so and he he did he did spend the time. If somebody came out and said, "Can you come and meet so and so?" He'd always do it. He'd have a picture taken and uh, sign an autograph. Lovely, lovely man. So still going, and uh, we'll find out when that interview is going to appear and what it appears in. Okay, uh, the day free speech drowned in a paddling pool of olive oil. Oh, this can only be the gagging verdict. Abetted by four old duffer judges ignoring the internet, so aided by celeb and three way romp loving partner. And what it is, it's the story of a, of a celebrity who's got children, married, and, um, and gets up to extracurricular. And we're not sure if either or one partner does or not. I can't remember because I didn't, I didn't read the story uh, in America. It, it broke in America. It came out over there because they're not bound by the same verdicts. And I think you could buy the magazine as well or the paper that it appeared in in Ireland. You just can't read it in this country. Can't read it in this country. So that's why. And so they've gone back to court again. And the judges have said, no, we're going to protect this this person's anonymity. The fact that everybody knows who it is, is a bit ridiculous. And that's why. But, you know, you have to respect somebody's uh, somebody's right. Currently in Waltham Abbey, says little Julie, for my feeding the red pandas experience this morning. You have a nice time. I'm sure you will, actually. I'm sure you will have a lovely time. Uh, a lot of people ask me about the uh, the weather today. Not bad. It's OK. Brian says, I've done both the fjords and the Dubai cruises in the last six months. Both fantastic, but the fjords are stunning. And the locals in Oldham were so friendly. So please go. You'd love it. Uh, Anna did uh, a Cunard cruise for 17 days over Christmas. Wow. Uh, so the celebrity hides his identity. Well, the courts are hiding it. It's, uh, the, the celebrity obviously doesn't want to be identified. That has been identified, but not in this country. And you can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. Get into trouble. Jerry says, I'm in Southampton now. I'm getting on the Harmony of the Seas in a couple of hours. They've invited travel trade on for three days before the general public. I can see it from my hotel room. Looks like a small town. I want some pictures, Jerry. I want pictures, please. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's, this, is the, this is the big one. I know that there's about 5,000 travel trade people going on it hopefully to sell it and then they'll go back and people will say so what would you like and they say well i've been on it it's beautiful you'll love it the cabins uh cabins are nice and all that kind of thing it's big though isn't it uh karen says i often think of pete murray uh glad he's still well was he not a heavy smoker um he did smoke he did smoke i'm pretty certain he smoked actually I'm pretty certain he did. <laughs> Actually, at this precise moment, I can't remember because it was such a long time since I smoked. And I can't remember whether he's, he might have done, actually. He might have done. But I wouldn't like to say yes in case he, he said, no, I didn't. Or he did. I remember having uh, a well-known actor in. And uh, he lit up in the studio because in those days you could smoke in the studio. And uh, I said, do you enjoy a cigarette? He said, well, I, I don't smoke. 
And it turned out that his wife didn't know he smoked. So he had to keep up the pretense, and I'd, I'd kind of blown his gaff on air. Uh, the Daily Star, jet blown out of the sky, 66 dead, including British dad of two. But I can't find it. And I'm sure that she'll be reading more about it in the paper. The Daily Mirror, blown out of the sky, 66 killed. The same story I've just been reading to you a while ago. Uh, they fear the terror attack was to blame. That's what the experts are saying. Although they didn't say that on our programme. They just put that forward as a theory. You know, we don't know yet until we've sort of found more out about it. We can't. I, I don't like to speculate on it because people lost their lives. And I think that's uh, terrible. Steve, whilst I was having my carry-on bag scanned at Terminal 4 last week, the security person wasn't even looking at the monitor. I do worry about how easy it is to smuggle something illegal onto an aircraft. Yes, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that one. Sometimes you think, you know, we're sort of terribly on the ball. Then other times you think if somebody wants to get something on there, they'll actually do it. And um, I think actually I, I can't talk about the celeb story because people are now sort of writing in and telling me different things about it. And uh, I don't I don't really want to discuss it, but I'm sure more will come out. I'm sure more will 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 come out. Uh, missing in the med. Uh, the only problem we have with finding bits of plane or anything at all is if you go out onto the ocean, and I know you would think it would be quite easy to see something there, but I promise you, with the white tips on the water, you become mesmerised. You can't see anything at all. We couldn't even see other ships. It was seriously, unless it was on the horizon, we couldn't see other ships at all. Uh, the passengers, they say, spun to their deaths from 37,000 feet. That's what they reckon happened. They reckoned that a terrorist act and the plane then spun. But somebody would have pushed something on their mobile, wouldn't they? You can use mobiles on planes now. That's what I'm assuming. But until it all comes out, we'll just have to wait. Judges create UK privacy law, according to the uh, Daily Telegraph. And uh, enter stage left the lovies, adding their voices to remain campaign. That's it for this morning. Do join me tomorrow morning, please, for the best of Steve Allen and In Conversation. If you're a fan of TED Talks, Chris Anderson will fascinate you. And uh, also the uh, the comedian who is Catherine Ryan. That'll be tomorrow after the best of Steve Allen. So between five and six, the best of Steve Allen. I think we'll pick some goodies this week. And then between six and seven, it's the, uh, the In Conversation programme. And then I'm back with you live on a Sunday morning. I do get people writing to me on Saturday. It's very sweet. But I promise you, I'm Memorex. But uh, I'll sound as though I'm here, and then I'll be live with you on Sunday morning as we go through the papers. What, what, what are the chances of a Brooklyn Beckham story in the papers? That'll be interesting, won't it? Anyway, have yourself a great weekend. If you're going away on holiday, have a nice time. And uh, you can listen to LBC. Whenever you are, wherever you go, you download the free LBC app for your uh, mobile or tablet. And never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. It's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Please do. But next, though, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen.